This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Celtic Rumours TV, the Boz and Bovril podcast with your host Mark and myself Paul. On today's show we will be taking a look at the latest rumours and gossips around Celtic. Celtic Michael and Jonas will be joining us tonight and we will talk about Scottish football from last season and expectations for next season for both teams. First of all, I just hand off to Mark to do a few of our weekly shout-outs. Mark? Good evening, Paul. Thanks very much for joining and all your help. Uh, Who have we got coming in? There's Mike Kennedy, Buzzball, Ben, Bobby Sutherland. Bobby's here all the time, isn't he? All the time. Is that the guy? Right. He doesn't come on the forum. Doesn't come on the forum, and he and he's fair to He's coming on the thing, so a big shout out there to the Bobby. Definitely, hey, Bobby. But come on the forum and get involved on that. It'll be more than welcome on that. Yeah, just the usual shout out. Shout outs to Tim Alloy, ROH, and Malika, and Young Ben. It's still recovering, obviously for his operations and his legs. And I'll be mentioned for the boy on the forum was it Donny that says he recently, he recently lost his brother so sorry to hear that Donny brother hail hail so um, we'll move on to some basic rumours and gossips around in Celtic uh, is a little bit of deja vu again for Celtic as uh, we've been linked with James McCarthy again who was now a free agent after his contract at Crystal Palace was ending is it time for Celtic to move on from past transfer targets and scout different players? Leicester City and former manager Brendan Rodgers have supposedly already made contact with Celtic regarding of buying Oudson Edward next season. Edward has made his fees and clears to Celtic that he wishes to leave as soon as the transfer window is open. Now, excuse my pronunciation here, but hopefully I get it right. Bundesliga striker Tivio Avroni has been granted a work permit in the UK. Celtic have been linked with the player back in January, but now with a work permit that has been granted, the, the on-loan Liverpool player and youngster to, who plays with Union Berlin couldn't materialise due to no work permit, and that's why the deal fell through. In thing. Will Celtic, again, renew their interest in this Liverpool player? So we'll have to wait and see. Farmers... Celtic defender, now agent Lee Naylor, has said that Neil Lennon had no involvement in players' recruitment during his time at Celtic. Naylor has stated that former former Celtic employee Nick Hammond was calling all the shots and that Neil Lennon had no input. Naylor said he approached Lennon with a centre-back and a striker and that Neil was very impressed by both players, but Nick Hammond refused both players' Down point blank. Uh, is history going to repeat itself at Celtic again with Eddie Howe's contract negotiations going to fall at the last minute? Eddie Howe's name has again been linked heavily with the vacant spot at Crystal Palace. Man's a job. Or is the Eddie Howe deal already done and dusted because of, of rumours and, and discussions that Stephen Welch spoke about Eddie Howe already being the manager for next season and that he has very impressed with where the manager plays. Going on with Eddie Howe. Uh, also today, 
it's been reported that Richard Hughes, former director of football under under Bormer with with and worked on, under Eddie Howe's management, is in line to become Celtic's new director of football. This is all part of the package that Celtic have agreed with Eddie Howe. So here's the people involved in this deal in Eddie Howe's pocket. Former coaches, coaches uh, Stephen Porches and Simon Weather uh, are about to join Celtic as part of Eddie Howe's coaching team. Richard Hughes will become director of football and ex-player and former teammate Eddie Howe, Peter Grant, will become assistant manager. Eddie Howe and Peter Grant's deals are supposedly already agreed with Celtic, but due to Eddie Howe guardianship with uh, with Bournemouth and due to legal agreements within his legal uh, guardianship with Bournemouth, Celtic cannot announce this deal, and that's basically Mark what's holding up due to a legal issue that was put into his um, guardian leaf. He can't be announced as a manager of a team until this guardian leaf finishes. So my reckon is that his guardianship, guardian leaf finishes on the 1st of June and that's when Celtic can announce this whole package deal. And Eddie Howe will be entitled to a pay increase, uh, a pay bonus as well, if Bournemouth gets uh, promoted to the, the Premier League this season. So that's what I'm hearing. Mark uh, is the hold-up. Uh, it also, it's also being announced by Aberdeen that they have received a written transfer request from their midfielder, uh, Lewis Ferguson. It's being reported that Aberdeen have received an insulting offer from an English Premier League club, which they taunt down, and this has led to Ferguson handing in his notice. Lewis Ferguson's uncle, Barry Ferguson, who is a former Rangers player, has come out again recently and said Lewis would have no problem in joining, Celt- uh, joining Rangers rival Celtic and that his family's history should not be included in his final decision they're making in the future. Should Celtic make an offer for Lucas Ferguson now, as it's clear he wants to leave Aberdeen or risk another McGinn scenario when Celtic will lose another top young Scottish talent slip away to their Kingsdown South? Mark, this guardianship leaf with Eddie Howe seems to be the big hold-up in his deal well, in, in coming to Celtic. So I think that's more than likely it, that it's, it's actually a, a legal thing that's put into his guardian leaf, why it can't be announced. Uh, well, we've spoke about it before, that it might but not, mm-hmm. it was something to do with Bournemouth dealing. Well, we thought, well, why could they not still announce it? But obviously, if it's part of the agreement... <coughs> mm-hmm. Excuse me. If it's part of the agreement that they're not allowed to take, he's not allowed to formally take a job or that. Mm-hmm. You can see his point. You know, and uh, yeah, there was no way he was coming in to take charge at any time before the end of the season, anyway. So I hope mm-hmm. it's just as I've spoke about, he's been working behind the scenes, and it's just a matter of this his contract expiring with Bournemouth. And what about this package, the, the two coaches, the, these were these two coaches, these two first-team coaches that that worked with him. His sister in title won't be joined because he's now involved with um, Sheffield United, but these are the two coaches he wants. 
But the the big thing for me is, and and, and it's actually coming strongly, is is Richard Hughes being director of football. That this is a whole package that Celtic and Eddie Howe came to agreement. Do you know? So if that's a bit worrying, I think. Mhm. The Fraser, the the, the the director of football, was like an independent appointment. It was somebody mm-hmm. the, the board had chosen, rather than the incoming manager. Unless, as we said previously, Paul, as well, that Eddie Howe's that kind of recommended him, and the board's looked at him, interviewed him, spoke. Could exactly, but he's, huh? he's made he's met the criteria. Yeah, and it, it, it could have been like it could have been like. Celtic asked him, we're, we're going to, we're looking to appoint a, a director of football as well. How do you feel working under a director of football? Well, I worked with Richard Hughes for years at Bournemouth. I highly recommend him, the players he got me at Bournemouth and youngsters and t- how he spots talent. You know, that could be all in the negotiation talks as well, Mark, couldn't it? Well, you know? well obviously Celtic's not just appointing on the, on the say, say so, Eddie Howe. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't like to think so. I'd like to think they've done plenty of due diligence on them and that. Mm-hmm. That's who they're choosing. Well, they've just got to accept it, isn't it? it. The only problem for me is that... If, if he leaves. Yeah, if Eddie Howe leaves in two or three yes. time. We're back to, it's like the Bledon Rogers scenario again when all the coaches are gone and Celtic are back to square one, and Mark, aren't we? I've always said that the director of football job, that should be the continuity. Whether the coach, mm-hmm. the head manager or the head coach, whatever you want to call him, leaves... The director of football should still be in place to keep the continuity of the club. Exactly. Uh, what about the interesting news about uh, Lewis, Lewis Ferguson handing in a transfer request? It hasn't been accepted yet, as far as I know. It hasn't been accepted, but he's made it clear he wants to leave. Like, should Celtic act now, Mark? Maybe I'd trying to... like to think they have acted. I'd like to think that Lewis Ferguson will know if he wants to leave Aberdeen and he's interested in coming to Celtic. Celtic are willing to talk. My thing is, like, obviously there must have been talks between his father and his uncle Barry if 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 Barry Ferguson is coming out making these uh, statements that he'll have no problem with joining Celtic because of his family's history with Rangers. So obviously there must have been talk within the family, Mark, that he would like to join Celtic, you know? Well, it does look like that when Barry's coming out and saying that again. Yeah, this Barry came up and said this on 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 a Sunday Sunday night, and I read about it on Monday. So like, it's actually recently, and then he hands in a transfer request uh, today. Like so, like I the the club who put in the bid, we don't know. Do you know what I mean? So the gossip was that he wanted to move to England. So mm-hmm. he moves to England. Let's not make it out as if Celtic's failed to sign him. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Say in England, he's going to go to England. But if he's no, if he's just looking for a move to a higher level, I would, I'd like to think Celtic are in the mix for that. I wouldn't like him to move to England, Mark. Like, I, I, I just sit in the bench. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? When he can have a year or two at Celtic, or maybe three years, build up his reputation, like the likes of what George Armstrong did before he moved on down down south. Like you know, and you know, come a better player before he goes down there. You know, there's plenty of good young players left Scotland and just. Like basically vanished off the face of the earth. Exactly. Didn't he, like smaller teams in England and that. Uh, and he'll get Ferguson's a better player than. See, like I mean Watford. I mean Ferguson's too good to be playing for Watford. Exactly. I think he'll get a good opportunity in playing Champions League football, more experience against bigger teams as well, Mark. Wouldn't if he, if he, yeah. 
trophies. It's only going to build up his I'm, reputation as well. I was reading a blog the other day and he said that was one of the reasons that Eddie Howe would choose to take a Celtic job. Mm-hmm. Because oh, they're comparing it with the like, Crystal Palace and Newcastle jobs and that where he's not going to ever get any he's not going to be winning anything he's not challenging for anything and he's according to his blog uh, he's at a stage of his career he wants to be at a level where he's challenging for trophies winning stuff yeah exactly the game. exactly I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, like the reason I put in the, this thing about the Crystal Palace because his name has again been linked with True Sky Sports but with his previous history mark with deals falling apart at the last minute with Celtic. But Eddie Howe supposedly has set his mind on Celtic that he's not interested in Crystal Palace, that this deal is done and we can expect Eddie Howe. But it's just when, do you know? You take a Crystal Palace job and then you're scrimping and scraping and all your aim is, for, is to stay in the Premier League. He's done that with Bournemouth. See, just exactly. For me, that would be like a sideward step. And, a and the thing is, Mark, about these 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 clubs down south, these these bottom table scouts, they're, they're looking to improve. But when they get rid of the managers, then who kept them in these Premier Leagues for years, like like so Hutchinson, like keeping Crystal Palace in the Premier League is a, is a great achievement on its own. Like, don't don't be rushing to move up the table and new manager comes in because. The ship could sail, Mark, you know. But not even that. Things aren't going well. You're exactly. Three or four months off the sacking every job in that bottom half of the English Premier League. It's money talks down there now, Mark, isn't this? It's not about... But at Crystal Palace, your so, sole aim is just to stay in that league for the mm-hmm. season. And as I said, Eddie Howe's done that with Bournemouth. I'll be well paid for it, but again, where's the challenge in doing that? Why is he no... Exactly, man. And it's true what you said. Like he's at this stage now in his career, it's a chance for him to move to a bigger level, Champions League football, rent trophies, the project that Celtic have next season. Like this is a great opportunity, in my opinion, to come Celtic manager. You know, it's a great opportunity for anybody coming into Celtic. You know, mm-hmm. the other night in the podcast for the CEO to the manager to new players. Mm-hmm. And what's your thoughts on the the Neil Lennon situation that uh, Neil Lennon had no impulse in? Can you, do you like? Do you think that there's any truth to that, Mark? Do you think that Hammond was actually calling the shots here, and, and Lennon had no? And that's maybe he wasn't playing these, these these players because maybe Lennon thought they weren't good enough. I, I wasn't surprised. I thought he did that for Neil. Neil uh... Lee Neal after the day, Paul, or yesterday, whenever it was this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just what we've, lost, we've all known for long enough and we've spoken about it often enough that it was Peter Lowell that was making the football decisions. And mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, Brendan Rodgers, for me, would have had a lot more input on that side of things than Neil Lennon was allowed. And Lord got his yes man when he hired Lennon that he could actually take more control of transfers again when Lennon was appointed, like you could actually see, yeah. Yeah, because um, Brendan Rodgers would have had an, as much input as he could fight, like fight to get off of Peter Lowell. But I can't, Neil Lennon would, to me, he knew what was going to happen and he accepted it. Happened. He can't, he's he, first. He can't, see if Neil Lennon comes out now and came out with 
I wasn't allowed to sign the players I wanted to sign and all that. To me, that's just sour grapes. Cause he he knew the situation he was going in. When he exactly, especially when he was there, when he was there at the the start of the tenure, he knew the way Peace of Lord operated. Yeah. And do you know it was kind of nearly the exact same thing that Lord was signing these players anyway back then as well, Mark, wasn't this? You I, know. That was the main problem. But back then it was John Park and Peter Low. And John, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get us wrong. John Park found us a lot, of, a lot of good players. But mm-hmm. John Park left. Peter Lowe seemed to take on the John Park role as well as his own. So there was nobody, as I've said before, we often went on about Hammond coming up with players or Congerton coming up with players. But the ultimate decision lay with Lowe. He decided who we signed, who we were signing. Mm-hmm. Ivan Tony is a perfect example. We should exactly. As I said, I think he was our backup if Edward had left. I think that's why Lowe pulled the plug on that deal. But apart from that, Lowell, for me, it was always looking at the money and how much money they could make in, in a two or three year time of the players rather than strengthening the squad. Do you, t- Do you think Edward likely next move is going to be Leicester? They're, it's supposed being the region of 20 million, 15 to 20 million. What Celtic are, look, what, what Celtic will shoot, uh, are looking at, realistically, it be 20 million, I think, with add ons and stuff like that, Mark. That's Leicester are preparing to bid, but supposedly contact has already been made by, by Leicester for for Edward. I think they've just tried to get their noses in front for any other team that's going to be in for them. I mean, we know Arsenal's interest in them to replace Lacazette or Lacazette, however you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. It's, it'll be a tough one because Arsenal are going to get European football next season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would class... Be hard to it. It's going to be hard for them now to attract players and Edward uh, wants to play. I would class Arsenal as a bigger, better club than Leicester. Mm-hmm. A bit of a lull they now, but I think Arsenal will be back at the top end of the Premier League within the next couple of years. But there's a lot of problems behind the scenes at Arsenal just now as well. So yeah. Normally you would think that Arsenal would be a better pull for than Leicester, but right now, maybe not so much so. It's amazing how a couple of years the table's torn like Intel and clubs in this when the likes of Leicester could be outbidding Arsenal for a player mark in this it's it's but, it's amazing like but Leicester have done it right they've set things up right behind the scene whereas Arsenal's been a mess for even the last few years when Wegner was here yes Wegner had total total control of everything in the football side of things and that was where one of the problems started mm-hmm. never really recovered from that that seems to be the the, the issue, and, and it's the same with Celtic. Like, uh, like we could say that about how how Peter Lall had total control of Celtic, really, Mark. Like that, when one man has total control of one club, it could everything could just come crumbling down. And we saw that as an example this season, Mark, didn't we? That when one look person look at Man United when Ferguson left, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man United's never been at the same level as they were when Alex Ferguson left. No matter how much money they seem to throw at it, it never seems to just quite click. But there are shambles behind the scenes as well. Exactly. It, it just shows like that you need the, the right people in, in the right departments and have a proper structure mark from top to bottom, don't you? Well, you know? That's what Celtic should have been building for years. Mm-hmm. Um, teams there and they just seem to cruise by, whereas we... We go for so much a high 
Bournemouth rock bottom. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Other clubs that have maybe find themselves in a bit of trouble, one or two years and they're back to the back to the top again. But because we're in Scotland, we're always going to be like first or second. The, the way things are, we should be first, but that's another mm. argument. But what about what about being linked to to past uh, transfer targets, Mark? Like we're, we're being linked again, like to James McCarthy, who's was finished with Crystal Palace. People going about and being injury prone and that. He had a bad double leg break. That's the only poor injury he's had. Mm-hmm. I put the stats up in the forum. No, that mm-hmm. ago. Roughly, give or take, I think it was three or four games. He's missed the same amount of games as James Forrest has. If McCarthy came back for his double leg break. Mm-hmm. I think McCarthy, I mean, I think McCarthy would be a good signing for us. Thinking, thinking, that, that we don't have Scott Brown next season. Like he he'd be a good player to have around the the dressing room as well, Mark. Like considering his experience at international level and being in the Premier League, he, his experience could be handy as well for the club. If I think you know, if you were getting into next season, and our central midfielders were McGregor, Turnbull, Soro, Ferguson, and James McCarthy, I don't see anybody would moan about that. Mhm. Mhm. So, well, that's all from our rumours and gossip. I, of course, myself and Mark will, will uh, do everything we can to keep you updated with some gossip and rumours. But as again, these are just rumours, and myself and Mark will discuss them. So now uh, we're going to have Michael and Jonas uh, join us. Uh, Jonas, as you know, lads, is a Dundee United supporter and. We've asked him back to the short night because the, the Scottish Football League is finished. We we talk about Scottish football as a whole last season, the highs, the lows, and what the ex- expectations are for Dundee for next season between their season ticket renewals. Dundee United, And I have that written down, Dundee United, like so, and I do like, and I I wanted to make sure that I'm not saying it this time. <laughs> I think that's Mikey on the other. You there, Mikey? Hey, right, good. How's everybody in the chat and that? All right. All right. Hey, can you get Jonas on? Like, mind Paul Dundee and Eater. Because I've seen, yeah, I, I've seen his twat. I ha- a big bit of a lad. You're no one I'm going to come looking for you. I, I had, I have Dundee and Eater written down in red. So I, I can't miss it. Like, sorry. Hello. Hello, Jonas. Hi lads, evening everybody. Thanks very much for coming back on, Jonas. Appreciate you having us back, lads. Cheers. No problem. Jonas, uh, you you must be really kind of satisfied with uh, Dundee United's performance in the league this season. Like, you finished ninth in the table. You won ten. You drew fourteen. You lost fourteen points. Forty-four. Was that the main target for for you this season? Was survive the, the I- season back in the Premier League? I think the the remit probably was from the owners that after four years in the championship and investing heavily, obviously safety was the priority. Um, the style of football was pretty brutal, to be honest, and it would be mm-hmm. job done as far as the management was concerned. I still personally think that we should have been aiming for top six with the sort of money that we put in the squad that we've got. But like you say, if the sole objective of the season was to survive, then you get the they get a pass on that front. And that was the mm-hmm. most important thing. You think your main issue seemed to be 
uh, drawn a lot of games as well in this season. You know, you you kind of like it was like Celtic. He failed to kind of kill off games in matches the, this season. You know, was that down to maybe a lot of a lack of experience back in the in the Premier League? Do you think? And will he, should they learn from that next season? Yeah, I think it's a combination of that. Um, I think the draws was the big problem. I think probably what happened was we started off the season quite aggressive and a high-pressing sort of style of football mm-hmm. and attacking. But then we, we suffered two heavy defeats away to Rangers and away to Kilmarnock. It was two 4 nil defeats back-to-back. Then back. you went more defensive then and, and stuff like that, I think, was this? Correct, yeah. I think what probably happened was he sort of put the handbrake on and sort of put the reins on it and just started sort of grinding things out. And the problem was as well, we never really found a system that shooted Shankland and Clark and then when Mark McNulty came in, we were trying yes. to shoehorn three strikers into that formation. And playing players, you were playing players out position for a lot of the season as well, I read as well, and that kind of wasn't bringing the best out of the likes of McNulty either, so it wasn't. No, I like you say, square pegs and round holes, and I think you boys have been a victim of that a lot this season as well. So mm-hmm. it was the same, it was the same, and... And we didn't have enough whip as well. Shankland's not got the pace to be a sort of a create-your-own-chances kind of striker. Yeah. And we didn't really play by width, so we were never getting the service either. So, yeah, it was, it was, he was a victim of circumstance and the, the formation as well and the style of play change. Mm-hmm. Michael, you'll be... I, like, you, you've, you've watched uh, Dundee United a lot this season. Like, it's pretty impressive like that they were they, they, they avoided relegation this, this, uh, this season, isn't it? Michael, you there? Oh, yeah, that's the total opposite of what um, Dundee United, the majority of Dundee United fans expected this year. Um, with the money and the outlay that's been put on the squad, mm-hmm. the top six finish should have been the bare minimum for for that team. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would have thought because they just came up from the championship, that's fine if they just stay up next year, but that certainly wouldn't have been the goal at the start of the year, especially not with the owners they've got and the money they've put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonas, looking at Celtic's uh, performance this season as, as as an outsider, like we we won twenty two, uh, we drew, we 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 won twenty two, we, we lost five and we drew six and seventy seven points. It's our lowest points tally in twenty one years. Uh, would you think this is the one of the worst Celtic teams in a, in a long time, Jonas? Uh, well, on paper it shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you, as an outsider looking in, when you see the quality of players, well, the, the, the support on paper anyway, the quality of players, you would have expected them to to have sort of you know kicked on, but it's all, all, obviously stagnated. And I just think, like I say, there was there was obviously clearly problems early on behind the scenes and players not wanting to be there, and that, that just sort of once you've got a, once the rot sort of sets in. It starts mm-hmm. to spread. A couple of bad apples can ruin the, the sort of crop, if, as they say, you know. So I think there was a rot that set in early and they never just quite recovered from it. And that's mm-hmm. just like I say, looking at it from from an outsider's perspective, like, you know. Mark, what what's your thoughts? Uh, like, I know we talked to you, what we all talk about, but it's our worst points tally in 21 years. Like, it has been a really very bad season for us, hasn't it? You know? Mark, it's been atrocious, Paul. It's been, it's been the worst season for, a, oh, for many, many a year anyway. 
I've never felt this bad. I, can you, I don't think I've actually felt this bad for you once in a row. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been one of the worst since John Barnes, but we still managed to win a League Cup huh. in 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 that area, you know. So, and I'm hoping ha- I'm hoping we get the same kind of reaction as we had after the John Barnes debacle. That's it. We That's get, it. My, we, took, we took a step up and got Martin O'Neill into, and we know how well that worked out. You know, I mean, I hope it's the same kind of thing that happens this time. Exactly, Mike. It, it, it's it's actually one of our worst performances in, in relatively nearly in our history, like in this. Yeah, I'd say it's Barton John Barnes here as well. If you want to go and just stuff that's maybe good for next season, and remember, Felix flashing at nearly six million on Raphael Shay. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the at $6 million on that Albion Yeti. Two absolute wasters, so hopefully that echoed itself and it's a good omen for next season when they get shifted out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonas, yourselves, um, reaching the, the the Scottish Cup semi-final, and look, I know you, you had disappointment, but again, we, we have to talk about the, the referee and the, the linesman decision for the Hibonian second goal when it was it was a blatant offside, like and how they missed it like, when the ref the, the linesman was in a straight line with the hips player is just ridiculous. Yeah, and like I say, I'm not going to stand here and say that if if that goal hadn't went and with the one went on to win the game because I don't think we played to our potential that game. We certainly weren't as good as we were mm-hmm. against Aberdeen the previous round. But like you said, there, Paul. I mean. I think the manager was actually asked about VAR after the game and said, that's a waste of time for VAR. He says it was that embarrassing a decision. I mean, yes. <laughs> it was a yard and a half offside. I mean, the linesman's right in line looking along the line. So, I mean, that's just that's just incompetence. You don't need you don't need a video assistant referee to, <laughs> to see that. I mean, they've got the hard neck to wear Specsavers as their arm sponsor as well. They maybe take a leaf out of Specsavers book and maybe put a pair of glasses on some of these boys because... The decisions some of them come away with are absolutely bewildering, to say the least. Exactly, but we we talked about the, the the referee standards within Scottish football, and we were mostly concentrating on Celtic and Rangers matches and things like. But we're seeing this mark throughout Scottish football, and it 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 just seems to be happening now more regularly, Mark, than than anything, you know. It but it's about time you were calling them out, Paul. Mm-hmm. Mistakes. The mistakes have always been happening. It's just nobody. We've spoken about it before. We only really watch Celtic games. Well, I don't really watch many Rangers games to be honest. But you watch, you watch enough highlights to know that there's bad decisions just been made throughout the game. There's the Aki's. Mm-hmm. I think it was a four-game ban for his rant. Yes. The, the manager shouldn't be getting banned for speaking out against referees making mistakes and. We spoke about there's no there's no comeback to the referees for having a bad game. There's no comebacks for them making a blatant error. It's, the whole system's just rotten. And Michael, how do you how do we go about improving this this referee situation in Scotland? Are are we expecting this to continue in in, in Scottish football? I don't think anything will be done. I think it'll just continue to be bad, and I think it'll progressively get worse. Like I've said on previous podcasts. When I go back to the early 2000s and late 90s, like it says with John Robottom and refs like that, I mean, if you compare the kind of refs to the refs we've got now, the decline is there to be seen. 
Mm-hmm. And people, and I, Johnny, I, remember, I, remember back, I remember back in the day, I am only 34, but the referees used to get pelters as well. But like you said, compared to the referees in this day and age, there's a big difference. They're, a lot, they're very poor. But is that done to the, the lack of training, Michael, that's provided from our, are they just blatantly shocking at, at what they're doing? Like? I mean, now, you know? the training surely hasn't been changed much since then. Like I say, you've got, I don't know who's in charge of the referees or who does the trainer or that. Like that. It's maybe for somebody else to answer, but I just think that they're... I just think there's never they never get a chance. Like, why should you not... What I'm trying to say is um, they're never held accountable for anything. So mm-hmm. that's why they just forget. They just keep doing it. If a player exactly. gets sent off or a manager has an outburst or that he gets sent off, he gets fined or that, whatever, what do the referees get? Exactly. Like it's just it's just a prime example there. Like what Mark said, like when uh, the Hamilton manager speaks out against him, speaks uh, out against, and he gets a four game ban. Like so, if if they're handing out bans like that, Michael, it's not going to change. That do referees seem to have the the scholarship phase back in? Are you saying the referees are the referees again? They think that they're mm. the main man in the game. Eh? Yeah. If you referee, you never see him again. You never hear him. Correct. Mm-hmm. In, in Scotland. It's all about the referee, the way that they walk about the pitch. I mean, that guy, I don't even remember his name, that guy that we had against Rangers. The yeah, way that he was yeah. walking about. If he had a shirt with a collar on it, he would have had it up with Eric Cantona, like, yeah. The way that he was swatted, like, the way that he was, like, moving about the pitch and everything, like, yeah. He was the main <laughs> show, like, yeah. Exactly. And, Jonas, do you, do you think it's going to continue, or do, do you think the Scottish FA... No, these faults in, in the referee no. system in Scotland are they're just blind to it. I think there's a couple of things here, Paul. First of all, I don't think bar I think I'm I'm not even sure if this is true. Like I think there's very few professional referees. I think these are all part time lads. I'm not sure if I think the mm-hmm. guys that get the Champions League games and the Europa League games are guys like Colum, Madden, Dallas people like that, they may be full time. But mm-hmm. I think the vast majority of the referees are, are part time now. One step to making it better would be to like make make it full time, so that that's their full time job. And also, like I say, have some sort of like you know, have some sort of committee or something like what Michael said that where they're held accountable for decisions. They should all be brought in on a Monday and make, and say right, review the games that they refereed individually and say right, this is the mistakes you made. Why did you give this decision? Or what was your remit and things like that. And, they need yeah. to be educated on their decisions as well. Because like, like you say, bad decisions just sort of... People, pundits will kick off, managers will kick off, fans will get, kick off, and it gets talked about on sports scene for an hour on a Saturday night or whatever, and then it's swept under the carpet till the next weekend, and yeah. you just yeah. start the, the merry-go-round starts again, like, you know? Just on referees and that, I just wanted to just nip in there and just ask Jonas what he thinks about... Obviously, Sporting Dundee, being from Dundee, what he thinks of, like, 90-odd percent of the referees being to the West Coast. But like the thing is, like it's just, and regardless of like any Glasgow, just West Coast in general, there's a West Coast bias towards, like you know, you feel like you get bad decisions. Like we could play playing against Kilmarnock or Arkies or anybody from that neck of the woods, and we'll get worse decisions against them because, like you say, the nucleus of the referees seem to be from that from that area. You know what I mean? And it's just like, well, I just there should be a, a bigger distribution of them around the country yes, exactly, as well. Exactly. And, and you shouldn't if you if you had an allegiance to a football club. Put it this way, right? If I became a referee after being a season ticket holder at Dundee United for over twenty years, 
I don't care what anybody says. I would still, even if I tried to be as impartial as I possibly could be, I would still make the odd subconscious decision in United's favour because it's just human nature, eh? So it shouldn't mm-hmm. be anything to do with... You should get someone that supports Dunfermline or something to referee Dundee United against Kilmarnock or Celtic against Aberdeen or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the west of Scotland, Jonas comes in and says, oh, I'm a Kilmarnock fan. Who's your big team? That's, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It would start coming into, oh, well, which school did they play? But Mark, am I right in saying like there's the the Scottish Affair have a they only have like a group of referees. We say there's there's Beeson, there's Madden, there's there's Gollum. That they only get selected for Celtic and Rangers games, and all the referees are overlooked, and they really never get a chance to ref a big Rangers and Celtic game. Well, that boy that done the last one was he, was that noise. That was his and first, that, and I think he only got that mark because it was the end of the season. And you know, I it'd be interesting. Are we going to see him left a game again? Or will it be back to well, it's great. The, the normal. I think they look on it as if the kind of experience of course the thing that the mere experience of going the will be first, this like the Celtic Rangers games and things like that. But I totally agree with Jonas that far too many referees all come from like Lanarkshire in the west of Scotland. And that there should be more more done to get people feel like Dundee, Aberdeen, up that kind of way and more involved. I mean, there must be guys up there refereeing. So why is you know they not getting the chance to come in? It's a, it's a pyramid. Exactly. I don't know how that works, but uh, but that's what it seems to be, Mark. Don't it? A pyramid scheme, don't it? That these lads are are the elite referees and and, and the, the ones below never seem to get like, mm-hmm. up any any further. Mm-hmm. When it's just saying they all seem to be coming for the one bit rather than be spread about, and they don't. There's no. If you if you're a good referee and you've only been refereeing, refereeing like championship matches, and you're doing well and you're getting big decisions right, you should move up a level and start getting involved in like the lower league Premier Premier games, and then see if you're up to the bigger games. But you, even feed them into the championship mark, like you know. So what does that make it? No, no, sorry, Martin, it was me. I was just saying that even feed them into like League One, League Two, the championship, and then Aye. sort of develop them through the systems. You know what I mean? Then I just say, ah, oh, because you're only going to get so and so games. How are you going to learn at a job or becoming better at it if you're not getting a chance to progress through the ranks? Like you know, mm-hmm. I spoke about it before as well. I think that referees throughout Europe should be UEFA that provide them for games. That would be the easiest way to do it. Any accusations of bias or incompetence? Because if you ever, if you ever were monitoring the referees, half these mistakes they would be noticed and they would be dealt with, rather than just mm-hmm. uh, see like what Jonas was saying there about was it? I don't know if it was Jonas or Michael said about referees getting dragged in on a Monday morning and looked through their games in that. I, I, I think that's a great idea. Maybe no right in the Monday morning. See like a Wednesday morning. And then tell clubs if you've got any grievances with the referee, have them in by writing on a Wednesday morning, and we'll we'll get through it with the referee, and we'll deal with what we if we think he's made a mistake, we'll deal with that. But there's just nothing like that. You talk talk against referees, and right away you're up my charge off the SFA, and it's all right. Mm-hmm. But like down down in the Premier League, like uh, and I, I saw it a few times uh, this season, and, and like that. If if referees really did have a bad game or they made a blunder in the game, like they won't ref the next weekend, Mark. 
You mean like the, it's being watched in other leagues? It just seems to be ignored by the Scottish FA up here. You know that they 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 can basically get away with what they want and what decisions they want to do, and there's no questions asked asked of them really. You know that seems to be the problem. That there's no questions asked of them. Why you sent this player off? Why did you give that red card? You know that that seems no, that's what needs to be done. Basically, bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Because the referees never need to come out and explain themselves. It doesn't look as if they're explaining themselves to the SFA or the SPFL. They, they don't need to explain anything to managers unless you manage Rangers and he phones you up to apologise for mistakes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's no, no punishment, no. Just, I mean, I don't know. Could you do like a referee's kind of league table or something like that. I don't mean us, the fans. I mean the SFA. And they take into account mistakes they've made and good calls that they have made and got right and kind of give them games according to that. Then it's more like performance-based rather than, rather than just being based on your reputation and experience. Mm-hmm. Any else have any comments on referees before I move on that? You want Michael? I was still went back to what I said on previous podcasts about I would love to see a rotation of referees from out the European mm-hmm. leagues, referee in different leagues. Like, like exactly, yeah. That that we, when we spoke about that, like at least they're getting experience from uh, different leagues, different uh, uh, football associations within. So like you're only going to learn really, Michael, by doing that, like aren't you? Not, you know? I, just, I just see it as being a great system. Eh? I don't mm-hmm. see any downfalls in that system in mm-hmm. the European UEFA that just having a referees union where they all referee all over Europe. Well, that, that happened. Remember when there was, there was a strike by the referees here about equal pay or something like that, or they wanted more money, and they, they got um, foreign refs. Luxembourg. They, they yeah. came in from Luxembourg, I think, wasn't it? Luxembourg, I think, was this? Yeah, and we had Aberdeen at home, eh? And then there was not any really controversial decisions to talk about. I don't think there was anything much kicked up that weekend about refereeing decisions, like, you know? Yeah. That, that was exactly. the as well. Look how small Luxembourg is. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the level, of re- the level of refereeing during that weekend, like you honestly, it's nothing. No, no, no decisions worth talking about. It, it basically comes down to... Uh, the, the the training development of, of, of referees within the Scottish FA because they, they don't seem to be learned from these mistakes at all that they're making. It, seems to, it, it doesn't seem to be a new... It's trying to be just the same decisions all the time that they're, they're missing, like 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 the, the, the Dundee United and Hibs game. Like 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 that linesman, Jonas, was was in line, like, do you know what I mean? And how he, he missed it, like, I, I just couldn't believe it, like, you know, I just couldn't believe it, like. It's funny, just the, just before we move on, Paul, sorry, just a quick one on that linesman. It was the same linesman that the following, uh, I think it was the Wednesday, was in charge of the Race Rovers Dundee first leg playoff. And he did, and Race Rovers had a goal that was about three yards onside, disallowed for offside. So that linesman, within the space of, the space of three, four days, has made two horrendous decisions. And it was 1-0 at the time, and that denied Wraith an equaliser. And then they went on to lose the game... 3-0, and that effectively ended their chances in the championship playoffs. And it was the boy Alan Mulvaney, that was his name, the same boy in both those games within four days with two horrendous decisions, and yet nothing. And you said they're sponsored by Specsavers. You know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, like you know, say, it's not like us, like, Dyrin, he's in the game, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Like they're getting slated in that, but look at the the potential windfall of money and that that these guys are costing clubs. Exactly. Exactly. Like that cost Ray Rovers a chance to and, to get into well, it. I'm not the, to Dundee in that because um, I'd actually prefer Dundee to come up for a simple reason. One, I get a Dundee derby to go to because it's local, mm-hmm. and two, it's also another easy away away game for me to go to. Um, <laughs> Selfishly, but um, Wraith Rovers are a better team than Dundee. And mm-hmm. if that goal had accounted, I'd have put big money on Wraith over two legs going through against Dundee. So that that goal totally killed Wraith in that playoff. Exactly, Mark. It's just it's not just uh, affecting the game; like it's costing uh, teams financial security as well. Like, isn't it? You know, it's costing. Everybody, every, I mean, mm-hmm. in a playoff game, in a cup semi-final, even get back to the last derby game, I can't even mind to it was on the forum, it dug into the rules, and Gregor <coughs> shouldn't have been sent off according to this change in the rules, and yet, mm-hmm. as I said at the time, I didn't even want Celtic making a big song and dance it, because I don't think it would have made any difference whether McGregor was on the park or not as a result. But it's still bad. If the rules are the rules, Mark, they should know the rules. Like, do you know what I mean? They should know the rules. It's still a referee making a basic mistake, a, a big mistake, but through a basic rule that if it's not changed so whatever it was for this season or last season, that, should, that rule should still even be fresh in his mind. A great, um, a great example of that, Mark, is is that situation with Callum McGregor was was this uh, Pickford's tackle and uh, on Van Dijk, why Pickford couldn't get the the red card because it was ruled offside, and that's why uh, Pickford actually wasn't sent off. That's why he actually couldn't be, because the final decision was offside, and so VAR couldn't get involved in this, really, because they, when they were looking at it, they saw that the decision was offside, and that that had to be the fine decision, and that's why no red card was um was was given to pick for then, you know. And, and Terence makes a good point as well in the chat that maybe you want to so like he says that maybe the linesman that made the decisions is a Dundee fan. Dundee fan. He's getting a champagne reception at hospitality at then start the next season. Anyway, I can assure you of that. <laughs> Perfect. So I'm going to move it on from referees. Look, we 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 all agree we don't see no improvement in the near future, but we we just have to wait and see. So, you understand? I'm going to move on to yep. when do you expect uh, Mickey Mallon and the, the Dundee uh, board to go about their chance of business? When do you think they should start, and what players would you like to see? Uh, Dundee and I should sign Well I would like to see the business conducted as early as possible as probably most supporters because we have an awful habit of sort of dragging t- out during the course of summer and then what you're doing mm-hmm. is you're getting boys in half fit two or three weeks or you're getting them in a week before the season begins half fit then they're having to try and play catch up with pre-season and things like that as well um, and stuff like that I mean like I say even like, I don't know if any of your young lads, like maybe even if Mikey Johnson wasn't going to be in the plans, we're crying out for wingers. I wouldn't mind getting him on loan for a season. You know, we're, I think we're needing two attacking midfield, uh, two wingers and attacking midfielder, a striker, might maybe a goalkeeper if we lose Benji in a centre half. But the attacking mid and two wingers is crucial because if we're going to play the way we did last year, um, 
there's not going to be any sort of um, any sort of like you know chance of scoring many goals again. That was our downfall. So creativity and width is what we're absolutely screaming out for. Paul and like looking at Celtic, uh, Jonas from from the outside, like there's there's this t- legal things now between that we're hearing that is preventing Eddie Howe being being named as Celtic manager. That suppose he mightn't be named until June. Are Celtic already kind of at a disadvantage that having no manager in place now and having no realistic transfer targets uh, well, under their belts? You know? Well, if he's been told he's definitely getting the job and say he was told of that four or five weeks ago or however long ago it was, you would like to think that there's been there's been a lot of hard work getting done on targets and he's probably already sounded out some targets. I would be, I mean, these guys are daft. If they've been told they're getting the job and it's just the technicalities holding it up, then you'd like to think that there's work being carried out behind the scenes to, to do business, you know. So although it might be a slight disadvantage, if he's got a structure lined up behind the scenes and got people ready to come in and you see a raft of signings as soon as he's appointed, then I don't see it being a huge problem if they can get it in and without it dragging on too long, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Do, Mark, we spoke about that, and, and, and Michael, I come to you as well, uh, that so we, we actually think there is work being done behind the scenes already, that it, it, it's not it's not going to be done to the last minute, that Eddie Howe has maybe identified his target, maybe if Richard Hughes is going to be director of football, that there's already been communication between Richard Hughes or what way he'll come into it, George, I think, yeah? Oh, we've said it enough before. Whoever I think, whoever the manager's going to be, it's already been decided. And I think you can safely guess that it's going to be anyhow. And if it is, it's got to be doing work behind the scenes. Him mm-hmm. and he's, he'll have, I mean, he'll have agents that he knows that he'll be used to working with and things like that as well. So even players will have been sounded out, I think, as well. If it's not, it's just so much short-sightedness in the part of the board. That's one of the reasons. But, Michael, that I'm, I'm hoping that, do you get what I mean? I'm hoping that's what has been, been going on and we're not still waiting on an actual agreement with somebody as such. Mm-hmm. But, Michael, going by that, like like Celtic and Jonas said there, that Dundee seem to have a habit of waiting, dragging out uh, signings from, for, till, for the whole summer. But, Celtic have a habit of doing that as well. And with such a rebuild this season, like, we can't afford to have transfer targets dragging out, dragging out, dragging out, can we? Oh, Celtic, if, if, if stuff's not been happening behind the scenes, then we're in serious trouble for mm-hmm. this season. Because with the amount of work that he's done on that squad, and like that's, that's worrying. I don't even want to think like that. Like That's, that's me, you thinking negative, but... Like surely, like you say, with the rebuild that's in place from top to bottom, there's got to be stuff going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can, as we as we said, that we we can only only have have a look and, and wait. Jonas, on 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 the last podcast, we myself and Mark had a a live chat show, and there was a few questions you you asked us, but we asked them and we got the, we got our own fans' opinions. But I just want to ask you. What do you think Celtic badly need to improve next season, and why? Just, just not not the whole team, because we know the whole team needs to be rebuilt. But what area specifically? Uh, probably just 
I would just say like the midfield just in, they need to get some like, just someone to control the mid the you know the game in the middle of the park and then mm-hmm. give it to sort of the attacking players. It seemed a bit sort of it seemed it was just a bit ragged any time I seemed to watch them. There was a bit of sort of they were all too similar really. Just, there was never not didn't really have anybody there to get a yeah a we don't have a, behind yeah we don't have a player that can really dedicate our style of play what way we want to play. There's no one there to pick out a pass or you, anything like that. Did you see much of Sorrow, Jonas? Ah, like, I mean, obviously I saw him play when he played against us and stuff, and I saw him in a couple of games. And you saw the goal, saw, did you? You saw oh, the goal, saw. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, like, every th- like you say, any time I've seen him, he looked like probably the best midfielder there, and then i seen that he wasn't getting game time, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, there must be a good reason. But obviously, having listened to what you were saying previously, they were sort of giving Scott Brown game time due as a sort of an old Pals act. That should have been mm-hmm. out the window a long time ago, in my opinion. You, put, you always play your best players. That just, seems to be... In my opinion, anyway, you know? That seems to be like a trend this season, Jonas, between uh, at the start of the season when Lennon was there, he was playing... It seems he's playing the old reliables, you know, like the likes of Christie, uh, Brown, uh, and Cham. And, and that was basically our downfall this season was, as you, as you said, like playing... Playing Scott Brown for being his last season at the club, like and not picking our best team, like having David Turnell, who got Young Player of the Year in Scotland, on the bench, was just beyond me, like you know. Yeah, no, like you say that an old, like you say that, but you summed it up there like the sort of old guard or the old mm-hmm. tight and trusted old pals act. It doesn't work like it. You play it if it's going stale and it's not working. You addressed it before the situation's too late, but they just they stuck with it too long, and that's what happened. You know what I mean? That's what happens when you you go into a league season with a team full of players that don't even want to beat the club. It's Correct. Like the performances, didn't it? Mhm. Mark, you've anything to say that? So just, I've said everything about it. It's just, just the exact same as Jonas and Michael said there as well. It was just crazy, bizarre decisions that. Well, mm-hmm. the price for making them all season, didn't we? Mm-hmm. But it's, it did amazing, like how uh, Jonas, like being a, a Dundee United fan, like saw this, like you know, playing these players out of being uh, the, the the manager's favourites, or he had a better relationship with them, like rather than picking the best team, like. And when the Neil Lennon and Kendi actually couldn't see it themselves, do you know? It's 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 a uh, it was really bad management this season from from everyone really that seemed to be a sort of the club this season hasn't it, uh, Mike? Oh, you say just well, I mean, my bigger club Celtic is for this to actually happen in the way it has is the most shocking part. Mm-hmm. For that to be allowed to happen from the very top, like oh, Christie wants to leave, Edwards wants to leave, and Cham wants to leave. Ayer wants to leave playing Laxalt, who's been lambasted all season, which I totally agree with his performance has been stinking. Played 99.9% of his career as a winger in Serie A, but playing as a left-back. John Joe Kenny mm-hmm. coming in, couldn't get a game at Schalke. Schalke have got the worst defence in the league history. I mean, who, and the decisions that have been made are ridiculous. And to be honest, when we were on, like, uh, it's not on, on our list, but I just wanted to ask you, like, that Celtic supporters around when I say mm-hmm. relative, Mark, November, December, we were on the boards back to really get rid of Neil Lennon. And uh, the, the board, like, 
blatantly refused, kept silent, and eventually it was too late. We got Neil in. Have have your managers ever come under fans' pressure to get get removed and have the board reacted to the fans by by sacking the manager? No, we we had a similar problem in 2016 when we got relegated. Um, and we got like our ex-chairman and it was after the Hamilton game it was a must-win game for us we lost 3-0 at home and then basically it meant that this, the following week Dundee beat us in the derby and that put us down and there was a protest outside the stadium against the chairman and they needed to like smuggle him out the back door because there was a mob at the gates basically and like mm-hmm. you say that, that, that was that, they took far too long to act that season and then we were in the wilderness for four years so I mean it, it is, it is quite concerning sometimes when, all the, like, let's get us, like, don't get us wrong, us fans talk a lot of nonsense some of the time, smell and do. Yeah, but do, the like, fans know, but, 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 how could you? You're you're watching the same thing. Are you seeing it through different eyes, or just is it a money thing? Or there's obviously things going on, but it, it, it frustrates the life of all supporters. You know. I'm looking at Mark. Maybe like, maybe the these chairmen who who don't want to sack the man. Like it's like they're admitting they made the mistake by appointing this man, manager. Do you think that's maybe something to make maybe take into consideration that Lord didn't want to admit he made a lend mistake. Well, I think that makes part of it, but considering the fact it's, it's cheaper to sack a manager than to sack 11 players. Mm-hmm. So it comes mm-hmm. to that. That's why we spoke about in the last podcast. It's the manager, it's, no matter how bad it's going, it's the manager's job that's on the line. No matter what club you are, whether it's Celtic, Dundee United, Man United, it doesn't make any difference. If things aren't going well, it's the manager's neck that's on the chopping block. Surely the board and that brass neck to, especially the season that we were meant to have this season, to try and save face over that, like, just because they, they've got it wrong. They should have acted well before Christmas. And I still believe that if they actually got rid of Lennon before Christmas. A chance. Before Christmas, yeah, Mark, and got the right manager in and did the right commitment, got the right guys in in early January, it would have been a I'd tell you, there could have been a chance like I, I agree with Jonas, like, in saying, like, like, like we're on this podcast, like, we're, we're, we're talking amongst fans, we're football fans, but, like, we saw this coming, not not in November, I think, we, we saw this downfall was going to come when Neil Lennon was appointed straight away after, after Brendan Rodgers, like, this, we talked about it, like, and Mark, you said as well, like, that it's, it's not going to work out, like, that, the, the, the thing, but, how it happened so quickly, and uh, we the fans saw it, and 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 that the board don't see like the fans know the club, that, and 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 the board think the fans don't. That's that's my problem, you know. Well, I never made any secret of the fact that I never wanted Neil Lennon back as manager, but mm-hmm. I, support, I support him as manager. You know that yourself, Paul. I've never one for mm-hmm. bad mouthing. Do you know what I mean? Jumping on the bad. Bandwagon and bad mousing them, there's things that happened in that. But no, but we saw, Mark, that's I, 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 like we saw the downfall, you know what I mean? Yeah. I said at the time when he got appointed, in the long run, this is going to be a major mistake, but I thought mm-hmm. enough, enough 
I don't. Well, we'd, I thought we had good enough players, which I still think we did have good enough players. They just didn't do their job well. But I thought we had enough like momentum that would carry his own to the ten. But as you said, the downfall just happened so quick. It, even the people that didn't want Neil Lennon appointed didn't see that happening as quick as it did. Well, you just need to look at the previous managers of Celtic: Tony Mowbray, Ronnie Dyla, Tommy Burns. They were all sucked for a lot less than what Lennon was yes. that season. Exactly. And, and considering what was on offer this season to previous seasons, Michael, how, how it was adapted on Neil Lennon is... Like, we, we oh, never know. The money that he's been, got, he's been given to spend as well. Look at Tommy yeah. Bums. All the players mm-hmm. that he brought in, Van Hoydonk, Zaccani or Cadet, they were all free. Mm-hmm. He never had any money. No, I mean, what they expected him to work wonders with they players. They, and... Like you say, Lennon spent millions mm-hmm. on on players, and look what he's done. Like, moving on from from that, I look just want to bring this up again because my Mark, self and Mark talked about this in the episode eighteen of the podcast. We spoke with Brian about this meeting with supporters, Michael. And I just wanted to bring it up with you because you weren't on on that show. Uh, they they came out of this meeting like frustrated or angry or whatever you want to put it, like they, they weren't happy. Like but it's going back to like this disconnect that the the club have with the fans that the the, the fans have to come out like in this direction that the the board have given them no direction to where the club is going. Like they they seem to have no plan, no five year plan for the club to think is that is that a worrying that they have no plan or do you think they're just belating just being kept quiet or not letting the fans know What's going 30, on behind the 34 team? years of watching Celtic, I've never seen such a divide between club and supporters as there is to, today. Ever. Mm-hmm. That, and that's, that, that's, that's, that's saying something. And you just need to go back to something that happened the other day regarding the Green Brigade and the Palestine flags. Mm-hmm. That again just proved how far the fans and the club are away from each other in any form of relationship. The way exactly. that what they did that you honest, like, what way does your, are your board in contact with your fans regularly? Or, and I'm not saying regularly, but would they, would they communicate with you at some stage during the season and stuff like that, the board? Yeah, well, because because obviously we had a horrendous relationship with our previous chairman, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's now the Dundee United Supporters Foundation and there's the Supporters Liaison Group that meets with, like, the sporting director every, like, I think it's at quarterly or it might even be every two months or something like that and people from the club, and the fans, like, you know, ask questions about the running of the club and the day-to-day business and if there's any transfer targets. So there's actually, and you can put questions to the board and things like that, and, they, you know, they gave a presentation last month on the, the youth academy and how they wanted to go about certain areas. So, no, there is a very good relationship now, um, or, well, a far better relationship than there has been. So that's one thing that the club is pulling in the right direction, is there's more engagement with the supporters. Mark, that seems very interesting there, don't they? The, like they have the, the, the yes, that would uh, Celtic we're talking about, yes. But I, I don't mean this in any disrespect to Jonas or Dundee United, but Dundee United's a, a, a smaller club. So I think they, they can be, do you get what I mean? They will be more, to me, they are more connected with their local community and their fans and things like that. Mm-hmm. For, just because we are in a fan base is mere local, that I'm 
they don't make as much headlines as anything going wrong at Celtic and Rangers. I think Dundee United would be a lot more open in the kind of forums than Celtic would be. I think Celtic would always be wanting eye on, oh, we can't tell the fans that, or we don't want that getting or don't let the press get that. I think that would be more the Celtic way, any kind of that fan board connection. But well, it would be a start, though, Mark, wouldn't it? A start? As long as it was going to be honest, like, honest with mm-hmm. See if see, they were doing it and somebody came out and asked a question. See, they then just waffle them with an answer. Just tell them, no, we can't discuss that. And that's that. Yeah, so, you get what? I think that's, that's, I think that's the, 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 the problem, Mark, is like, there's, there's never a clear yes or clear no with the Celtic board, so there's not, you know? No, exactly, that's what I'm saying. I think Dundee, mm-hmm. Jonas is saying there, I think that sounds ideal for a club like Dundee United. Because they're, they're not going to sit there and worry about what's getting into the press over what somebody's saying in a Zoom call with a supporters group and things like that. Whereas Celtic mm-hmm. always seem, just seems to have one eye on the image kind of thing and what, and then kind of need-to-know basis. But I was surprised that Jonas says they talk about like, possible transfer targets in that. Because I've said that thing be a fan representation on the board. I think fans expect the board to sit there and talk about who they would like to sign and things, and that's not really what happens. Now, what, uh, when I've said that, Mark, what, what, what we'll say is the fans maybe raise concerns and say, look, we're weak in this area of the park, or have you got plans to strengthen? <laughs> and you'll maybe, yeah. you'll maybe have like the, one of the guys from like you know the recruitment department, or maybe one of like the scouting lads will say, well, this is we're looking to, we're looking to strengthen in this this and this area. Like, there'll not be any names or anything mentioned, because yeah, otherwise yeah, fans would yeah. just be right into group chats and on social media, oh, we're going after this boy and that boy, but, oh, but it's more yeah, just... Yeah, but it sounds, as long as they've been open, it sounds like a really good thing. That's it, Mark. Like, it seems to be like that uh, the the club and the fans are, are are sharing the same view as, like, like they need a right back and the, the board are saying, like, oh, yeah, look, that's an area where we plan to strengthen and in the next transfer window, you know, so there seems to be good communication there. And it's, but Michael, and doing that, well, Dundee United are just showing how important they know that the fans are to the club, rather than mm-hmm. Celtic fans have been treated the last few months. Mm-hmm. I, just want, I just wanted to ask something as well, like, this is maybe a bit off topic, but you're right. most of them um, in Celtic obviously had this thing with number sevens, about the iconic number at Celtic, from mm-hmm. Larkin, and it was just to ask maybe yourself in the chat, other than when Larson left in 2004, I think it was, when was the last decent number seven that we've had? We haven't, and not that I can... Uh, I've said that, before, that number. I've said that before on the forum. Because even years ago, Kenny Douglas was one, they said, but there's pictures of other shirt numbers on and that. I went back to the squad, like, when it was 1 to 11 numbers, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I remember mm-hmm. two number sevens, obviously, Jimmy Johnston and Larson being the prominent number two than the two people. But it used to be that that number only ever went to an iconic player in the squad. I think it's like the the jersey is giving out to nowadays is the most recent signing. Mark, I mean, who, who did, but, but yeah. when, who was our last number seven? Nadia Jeffchey was number seven, so does that not sum up? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, is it is it giving out to any signing that we sign within the season? Like, you know, just to oh, he's our new number seven. Get the fans psyched up to it. Like, you know that. Well, you know, like I think Mark, you should be. As well. 
Yeah, like what was it when um, when Martial came to United? He wasn't your original number number eleven, and he was eventually given it. Then after a year or two, you know, you have to prove yourself to get a legend's jersey. Really, maybe spend a year at the club and see how you're going, and then look, we'll give you the number seven jersey. You know. Get your number seven jersey in the captain seat to give him a new contract. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was said, Mark? No, I don't think so, no. I don't even listen to me saying that. <laughs> like, like Michael, go by. Go by. I'd love, I'd love for Celtic to just come out and... I, I, I'm wanting players like Ferguson, Campbell for Motherwell, Doig for Hibbs, McCann for St Johnston. Like, they're all players for Scotland that should be bought anyway for the rebuild process. But I'd love for Celtic just to bring in some iconic, not even iconic, just like a, a just out, out the, just some player to get the fans excited. And I know yeah, that's it. It's like to show the fans, uh, Michael, that we mean business next season. In this, yeah, like you know, he's bringing in Ferguson and players, and that does show that. But Ferguson, mm-hmm. like Ferguson, gets as, as sad as the he gets me actually excited that if there's mm-hmm. players like that, I just see the promise in the guy. But I would love, like, I've not got any names off the top of my head, but I, just one main, like... Something a bit special to get. Yeah, special, like, you need in the big games to, like, go... It's normally a striker or a winger, obviously, but just somebody to get Harry, the fans... Excited. Harry Kane handed in a chance for Chris Lass, you hard to hear first. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, we'll have to sell the club to sign Harry Kane. <laughs> Levy Malone, the club, now. <laughs> Uh, moving on, Michael, like, it was interesting to see what you're saying, that Dundee United seem to have a plan for the whole club, like as they spoke about their youth system to the fans. Like, like That seems to be an area like Celtic have just seems to be gone off the walls. Is, is our youth Dundee United, yeah, clubs like Dundee United and Hamilton and that, even though they've got less facilities in Celtic, they've got the best youth systems in Scotland. Dundee United mm-hmm. over the last 10, 20 years, along with maybe Hibs as well, of giving out the best youngsters. Jonas will tell on, you, some on, of the youths come on average, Jonas, yeah, on average, Jonas, like how many players roughly would make the grade uh, to, the, to the first team from your youth academy? Like, would you see a lot of them come through to the first team? Well, this season, we're, we've given the most debuts to academy players in the whole the SPL, I think. I think it's like seven or eight have made their debuts. We've got a young centre half, a boy, Kerr Smith, who's only 16 now. Man United wow. and Aston Villa are wanting to pay half a million for and stuff like that. The boy Archie Meekinson was watched by us was watched by Southampton scouts this week against St Murray and that. So we basically the owners basically came in two years ago, pumped money into the academy and took us up to we're now at elite status. So we are at like UEFA level elite for youth development now. So we've got one of the best academies in Britain. Not just like we've played like we've got summer tournaments where we play against like top sides like you know Man City we played against Man City and Liverpool used Mitch and Gladbach's youth and that so we've always put in big on that and that's the way the owners are wanting to go is a conveyor belt so maybe get a guy to play you know a couple of seasons and sell him for two or three million which is money that keeps us keeps us exactly. you know sustainable you know what I mean Isn't it amazing Mark like how a, a club like Dundee United can can get their house in order from the youth academy and a big club like us and Celtic like just seem to fall apart within our youth academy. Don't this? Dundee need Dundee. These we 
Sorry, I keep saying we are clubs, Jonas. I don't. No, I know, no, Mark, I know, I know exactly what you're getting at. We are clubs. They need to do that. It was like, look at the players that Hamlet's produced over the years, Hibs have produced over the years, because they need to do that. They're Jonas saying, if we can bring somebody through the academy and sell them for two or three million, that keeps them going. But the majority of that money will go back into the academy or running the club. Whereas if Celtic mm-hmm. some, sell somebody for twenty million pound, we're expecting a, we're expecting a ten million pound replacement. Do you know what I mean? Dundee United, mm-hmm. that's not the way they're going to survive. They're not going to progress. Doing that, because that's Mistakes came back into making sure that the kayaks. Mistakes came back into making sure the conveyor belts keeps running, and that's the way. Yeah, but that's but but yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like that. They, they they seem to have their house in order like to, to make the club progress and and survive by by doing this like well do do then get the Celtics that we don't have a clear pass even for have a youth system to get into the first team you know well, that we the clear pathways for young players mm-hmm. it seems to be just pure hit and miss you can be lucky mm-hmm. to get a breakthrough and if you get it you'll stay in the team and if you don't you'll be sold on in a couple of years time. But Dundee United seem to be building on that the basis, eh, this is where your team's going to come for. This is your plans for you. What we've spoke about, this is your your plans for you. You'll be playing your first team in two or three years' time if you, Dave, what we're telling you and you apply yourself right. But the Celtic just don't seem to be telling players. Because even players that they play well are they getting game time. Montgomery get dropped the other night after playing well. Mm-hmm. I think what and Mark's like, saying as well, like if youth kind of get into Celtic's team this season, then they'll never will, because like mm-hmm. you said, that's the worst Celtic team in years. And like, like that Montgomery and that that played that game, started the game. What did he do to get dropped? Exactly. Other than have a good game. Yeah, it does seem well. to be the same with uh, with with Torns as well. Getting subbed all the time, Michael wanted at the at at the, at the start when he was playing. Uh, I mean, a blind man, Stevie Wonder could see that Turnbull has been the best player of this season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you're still getting subbed off every other, uh, well, every, every game actually. No, I mean, every and, game, like, yeah. and the fact that Rogic and that's been something starting ahead of Turnbull that earlier in the season that tells you everything. Like, uh, I think he's the most unfit player I've ever seen in 34 years. Celtic, Rogic. Mm-hmm. I don't know a I, guy that can train that much, but be that unfit. Exactly, it is. It is a strange one, like with, with, with Roger Mark, isn't it? Like how, like we spoke to Barry about, and Barry just said, like it's just that it's just the way his body is structured, isn't it? That he picks up these injuries, isn't it? I don't you know. Think he picks up many injuries. Like serious, we seems to be just like we niggling injuries. He's never mm-hmm. really fat. I've said it before. I I, I read an article just after we signed him and it was some Australian guy and for the life of me I can't find it now and he said that all Rogic would ever be was an, an exceptional or something like was it foosball or foosball whatever Futsal Futsal that's what he said that was what this guy said that all Rogic would ever be he says is that the, the football with that small ball is it the football is it the Futsal Futsal is just basically going to your local gym hall and playing five sides that's what's been mm-hmm. like a, a Even that, he'd pitch. probably pick up an injury. Europe, Australia, it seems to have a big mm-hmm. 
they have leagues and I think, I think yeah, like it's huge. Brazil, it's huge it started all in Brazil, but it's just started to branch out to everywhere now. I mean, it's, I mean, look, he smokes in that. It's just, it's just no. He's, he's never really came across as any 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 kind of professionalism. Yeah, like I remember yeah. that goal I scored to confirm a treble in the season. Mind the goal he scored against Aberdeen. Uh huh. Uh huh. Everybody's like, oh, he's, the way he ran past the players. One, he was no longer on that game anyway. And two, it was Andy Constantine that he ran past. And he's slower than a week in jail. So, <laughs> so, I mean, that's the only time I've seen him run past somebody, anybody like that. But I'd be able to run past him and then nearly 16 stone and never played in four years. <laughs> so. but so, to me, he's kind of another Paddy McCourt. Another mm-hmm. unnamed players that have had... I mean, the technical, his abilities, I've no question he's got technical ability, but he's just not got any like application or... Willingness, mm-hmm. any willingness about him to better himself, I don't think. Move, moving from players and like, like all the scouting of players, like, what way do your scouts uh, work? Yours? Do you scout uh, the grassroots of Scotland looking for players, or do you move uh, abroad, different uh, leagues and stuff like that? Or what, what way does your system go? Do you know? Well, because of the our sport and director used to. On a football agency company, so he has contacts mm. around the world. So we've signed Adrian Sporla from um, Atletico Banfield in Argentina. Rondo Fuchs was Deportivo Alaves in Spain via like Sochaux in France. Uh, Melon said a couple of weeks ago, and, like our manager said that we've been looking at targets from Ukraine, also the Scottish lower leagues. We've been looking down south. We've been looking in Africa, and, you know, all around the world. So we've got we've branched out. So we have got quite a sort of Multicultural sort of um, scouting system on the go now, like you know. Like, like, they really seem to have their house in order, don't they? Dundee United, don't they? They really seem to have good departments and, and good people in these departments, don't they? Like what we were talking there, like the, at the start of the podcast, that Celtic need to have a proper structure and stuff like that. But looking at Dundee, like coming up to the the, the Premier League, Dundee United come back up to the Premier League. Like they seem to have their house in order, don't they? Like they learn from obviously Jonas said they had their past mistakes on the on the previous chairmans and stuff like that, but they seem to have learned from their mistakes as long getting us. Oh, def- definitely for what Jonas is saying, they seem to be mm-hmm. doing really well and in all fronts, really business side of things, the scouting side, fan engagement. The club's progressing well. Dundee United's a big club, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you saying that in the last podcast, yes. You're on Ireland and that, but I mean, Dundee United's a big club in Scotland. And they've had a lot of success with a lot of bad teams over the years as well, but I can remember when James was a manager that. Back then, Mark, that was when his David Derry, he's one of the best centre-backs in Europe at the time. Definitely. I went to school with a guy, as I spoke before, I went to school with the Dundee United Scout. He ran the youth set up at United for a while as well. Yeah, he was a scout back in the early 2000s. Ah. Yeah, he was a scout at United back in the early 2000s. He was a teacher at my school, Holy Cross in Hamilton, years ago, and one of my best pals at school, Pat Clark, went to play for United, and I don't know what went wrong. I think he'd about a foot with Ivan Golak, and he let him go, and he just fell out of the game. But, I mean, Dundee United is a big club, Paul, and they deserve to be. Mm-hmm. Pushing for 
cups in that in Scotland, definitely. In the... well, I'm not saying that like, Dundee United aren't just a big club. At all. I'm just, just, I'm just very impressed, like that. Northern Ireland, I mean, in Poland. Yeah, I, I'm just. You know that? I'm, yeah, I'm just so impressed, like how Dundee United have their whole department in order, and how Celtic winning all these titles. That, I thought I don't have nothing. Do you know what I mean? But Jonas is saying they've got their ducks in a row and they've run, been run well for the first time. And Jonas, what was it like under? Sorry, Mark, go on. No, I just just saying compared to Celtic, it's chalk and cheese really, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. And what was it like under the previous ownership, Jonas? What happened there? Like, did he did he sell or were you were you in financial trouble with him or? Yeah, well, what happened was we had the. We had Eddie Thompson who was in charge, and then when he passed away, his son took over. But he was uh-huh. just interested in recouping his dad's money. So a lot, of, what sticks in our craw with a lot of United fans was the season um, when we sold Armstrong and Mackay Stephen to you lads in January. We were sitting like second in the league, pushing for two cups and stuff, and we were doing well. And then the wheels just collapsed, and we finished fifth and everything. I think we lost to use in the league cup final and stuff like that as well. But that completely killed us. And then he just sort of sold the family silver, as it were, eh? and then the, it was just a downward spiral from there. He was just scrimping and saving and pocketing every trouser and every single penny he could. He was in the papers talking about wanting to go to Newcastle Jets and take over clubs in Australia while he was bleeding us dry and things like that. And it was just an absolute disgrace. And obviously he's, he oversaw us um, going down to the championship and he only resigned about, I think it was halfway into the second season, us being in the championship, it took so long for us to sort of get him out, but the damage was the damage was well. It was done, truly, yeah, it was that, done. Like, yeah, that was good for you, was you know, Jonas. Yeah, that, oh no, like, see, his old man, right? To an extent, he was right, and he's. But the problem was, his dad was spending like fantasy football money. You know, he was throwing mental money. I mean, we paid three quarters of a million for Stevie Crawford and half a million for boys like Lee Miller, and we we did overspend under his tenure, his dad's tenure. But he was a fan. He ran it like a fan. He wasn't probably as clued up as he should have been. And then his daughter was due to take it over, but her, she, she lost her husband in a motorcycle accident, and that basically wow. derailed that. And then it turned out his son came in, and he was only interested in trouser and everything that his dad had sort of put in. Much back as he could. As much as... And, he was, and he, we were just bringing in... We were bumming about the European leagues for cheap free agents and everything, and mercenaries. And, but yeah, I, that's but, the time you just, taught me that, when you had all these foreign players inside the... And they, they basically weren't good enough or they just didn't care. I remember you saying that in the last podcast was that, that you had so many different foreigners inside uh, your team at that time when you got relegated, weren't they? And the you thing know? is as well, it doesn't even matter, like, doesn't really matter where the lads are from. We could have 11 different nationalities in the starting mm-hmm. lineup. You wouldn't care if they were good players, but yeah. it was journeymen that had guys that were like cinema Pongol and boys that were in their late 30s hadn't played for... There was guys that hadn't played for two years and they came in in January and it took them three months to get fit and then they were always injured and they were we were paying their hotel fees and we were giving them five six thousand pound a week and it was just it was just a disaster from start like from top to bottom like yeah I could go on all day about how bad it was back then you know mm-hmm. as far as Thompson as well Stephen Thompson there was always a a puff piece in the paper someplace regarding his personal relationships as well and cheating on his missus and everything. Yeah. Of, the most ironic thing is, is back when Mark Wilson signed for Celtic, it was myself and my dad that was doing the central heating system in his house, and that was when he told wow. me that when he, I, two weeks before Mark Wilson had signed for Celtic, I'd already knew that he'd signed for Celtic and knew what the fee was. 
Jesus. And like, like, like it's like, like, like I said to Mark, like that. It's really impressive, like how how how, how Dundee United have the whole structure within the club, like in this, how, and how a state we could say that we're in at the moment from from board level down into. Well, the United, like I said before, uh, United have been bought over by Americans, and Americans mm-hmm. are the stupid. They know how to run a business. It's all That's it, like. Money. I mean, they, these guys have run companies for years. They mm-hmm. run a company differently to like the way law and that does. Like, like say, I'll, I'll and go by. Uh, sorry, Michael. Like, do you want to go by the, the, just American orders? Like, there's been a lot of things down south, like that. The American owners. On, are only there for profit that they they think like but what what what's the what's the relationship there with the American owners and Dundee United like, like do they show that they appreciate the club and that they want the club to progress? Well, we've had, I've met both the owner and his son because his son stands with when he's over from America obviously because of COVID he's not been over since last year but he actually mm-hmm. stands with with the fans. And like you can see, he's got the bug. It's the same with his dad. Like you know, we had a function and stuff, and his dad was there, and he was having a fight with the fans and things, you know. And the boy was properly. You can that he'd actually got the sort of like the bugus, you know what I mean? He was he, he was mm-hmm. talking as a fan as well. He says he says I've just been sucked into it. So he, he's a supporter as much as he is the owner as well. Like, you know what I mean? So he's he, he's he's got sort of enveloped in amongst the sort of canvas of the actual club in the sense that like. You know, after meeting the fans and speaking to the lads and seeing what it means to people, because in one of his yes. first interviews, he said in America everything's on as a franchise, but he says, see in Scotland, he says a football club, someone's like an old man said to him on his first day, he goes, listen, son, you could go to test like if Tesco's gets demolished, I can go to Asda's, but he says if my football club ceases to exist, then I can't go anywhere else. And I think he bought into that sort of right from the start, and how much a club actually means to people. So he is engaged with the fans, which is. Which is compl- it's refreshing compared to Charlton's we've had in the past, like you know. In it's, it's such a it's such a good story, Mark. Into the hair, like how they they learn from their past mistakes and they, they got new owners and to hear the, the the owners' stories with the fans, like it, and showing how disconnect all borders with our fans, like it's 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 just amazing. Into how how Celtic have come disconnect with the fans, and this, you know. I don't I don't think you'll ever really get. The Celtic board members starting getting a pint with Celtic fans. No, I'm saying that, yeah, like, but like, it's just like, like the difference, like that. How, how, no, no, um, statements or things have been coming. How, how so quiet the board after the fans, like, you know, that's what I'm gonna get in that, you know. This, again, I'm saying it. These weird clubs in that, but that's 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 their community. It's, they can do that, but. The same kind of pressure, everything that gets said and reported is magnified by a hundred million percent. Mm-hmm. But that's great to hear again what Jonas is saying about the guys, the owner's son and even the owner sitting. Mm-hmm. That's what it should be like in these smaller clubs. Mm-hmm. That's how you build the, build the community spirit, get more people involved. Yeah. I will, as Jonas is saying, everything seems to be just they're doing a great job. How, how they... How they they learn from past mistakes, Mark? Like that they don't seem to be repeating the same mistakes. Like is 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 a step in the right direction. We hope that with Dominic McKay that we actually move on from our previous mistakes and transfer signing the cheap options and stuff like that. Like you know. Well, I think it was Mikey that said they're the Americans and they know how to run a company. Mhm. They'll be 
paying the, the right people to make the right decisions, and that's just all we can hope for the Celtic. Exactly, said said that that we bring in the right people for uh, the right department. Like, you know, if they came up there on the on the live chat, like, how would you feel about um, Dundee and uh, Dundee United building a new stadium and and the two teams sharing it? Would, has there already ever been any talk of, of anything like that? There has been sort of sort of talk about it for like running costs and stuff like that, but I think as far as the the supporters are sort of concerned, there's too much sort of history attached to like yes, your home. Yes. You know that that would rob that away from a lot of people, and people can people have banged the drum uh, about like you know cost saving and a multi facility. I mean Dundee have got American owners as well, and they're actually in the process of you know a new stadium, trying to get a new stadium kicked off. Um, which is, which is fine. But like I say, I think there's ninety percent of United supporters. We, we, we've seen, we've beat Munchen Gladbach at Tannadice. We beat Barcelona at Tannadice. Like yeah, those kind of memories there, belong to there. Yes, yes. Belong to you, yeah. to you and yeah. your club. Do you know how far apart the stadiums are, Paul? Oh, I did. I saw it there just right across the road. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, right across. Uh, right across the street in that shoe. Sure. Well, I'd love to see it on a derby day, to, to be honest. Like I said, it's a feeling like... Uh, but it's good what you said, like and, like how how different fans, like in the pitch, you honestly were saying, like, during the game, like your rivals, but after you can go to your local and have a point with the Dundee fans. It's, you know, it's just... It's a different kettle kettle of fish for us boys up here, like you know. And Mm -hmm. everything that Mark said, by the way, about like what he was saying, that like the Celtic director, I totally get everything he said because I understand how different it is. Like, these are a global brand. These have got millions of fans around the world. We're supported worldwide as well, but nowhere near on as big a scale. And they're certainly not going to be. If your chairman was out having a pint with some local punters. That would be slapped on every single paper and up and down the length and the breadth of the country. The fact that our chairman was having a fight didn't even make the local papers. So, you know, it, it, yeah, like it's complete, it's magnified so much differently and stuff like that. And I totally agree with what you're saying. And it's the same when it comes to the support as well. Like, yeah, okay, you'll hurl abuse at each other for 90 minutes, but you can still be pals, you know what I mean? Beyond <laughs> these Duncan idiots having a scrap the street at 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah, you'll get, but, you'll get a few of that, Mark. Aye, that's it. <clears throat> That just uh, Indo, Derby. There was uh, there, there there was uh, orange smoke I saw during the semi final actually in, in in Dundee, so you do kind of celebrate uh, your your flares and stuff as well, Jonas, don't you? Yeah, you know? well, like we've got like a sort of display team and that sort of came about and we did a bus send off and the lot across the road had a right good laugh at our expense, being like, oh, imagine doing this for a semi final and all this kind of stuff, but. I think what magnifies it as well. People forget you've not you've not been to see our team for nearly fourteen months. Yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. So exactly. the chance to come and wave some flags and let some smoke off, let the kids see the the team like and even that like it was good for me just seeing the boys that I go to the games that I've not seen in months, you know. It, it's a social thing as well. It's not just to stand in there letting off flares, but also every single one of the players said that, that inspired us to to win and we beat Aberdeen three 0 and got to the semi final. So it had an effect, you know, so it's engagement, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, what Michael this year, uh, there's there's so many Celtic players being in the the last year of their contract. Do we need to, to sell them immediately when the transfer window, window opens so the new manager can come in and just start fresh straight away? Do you think, Michael? Sorry, you there? Um, yeah, sorry. I think um, everybody that's in the last year of the contract want away anyway. Mhm. 
a no-brainer to just move them on. Any players, if, if it's Eddie Howe or whoever it is that comes in, any player that doesn't want to be at the club, get them moved on. It's as yeah. simple. As people say it's something not that simple. It is, because there's always somebody wanting somebody, no matter how bad they are. Mm-hmm. We just need to look at some of the players that we've seen in the past, like Colin Kazan and Richards that we've talked about in the past. Even how bad he was, <laughs> still ends up at us. So like that, a Jetty, Christie, nope. uh, Derby, no, Indy, Derby under Rooney, Indy. Yeah, they nearly got relegated. No, I mean, so there you go. They've <laughs> been relegated. They've, they were lucky. God, they've pulled some strokes with financial fair play. Ah, yes, they have, yeah, but uh, they could get deducted points still in the thin last. I think I've. So what I've last spoke to Ed one and two about I think they're trying to get it so the points deduction starts next season. Aha. Uh-huh. The championship. I think that's their kind of. I think they're. I think that they're admitting they're wrong, but they're not going to take the blame for it. They know well it could affect this season. Mhm. And you know what Paul just says. Like, have you ever had a situation where the player's in his last year of his contract and he wants to leave, and did the club sell him immediately or? Did you try to do what Celtic did and hang on to him for another season? I think we're quite clear with... I mean, when we sold boys like... Going back to David Goodwillie, Johnny Russell, Arthur, mm-hmm. all these boys sort of... As a sort of gesture of gratitude to United, they sort of like maybe extended their contracts by a year so that mm-hmm. we would get a better fee in that for them, you know. So we've never really had too many. The biggest probably contract rebel situation we had that I can I think it was probably when Scott Allen he played like half maybe what four or five appearances and then he said he'd refuse to sign a new contract unless he was becoming the highest paid player at the club and then he ended up leaving for West Brom for half a million in January yeah West cause he, Brom you have to, yeah yeah because he's because yeah. he's but the, like people say that it was all him but there was rumour that he fell out with people behind the scenes and his agent was stirring the pot and the manager at the time didn't see eye to eye so that story's got arms and legs over the years but that's the only time I can remember really and the club sort of they did ship him out pretty quick so we don't seem to have too much of a tolerance to these sort of lads that try and throw their weight about it's quite it's either you get shipped out if you, your attitude stinks especially if you're a young boy that the club has spent 11 years on nurturing mm-hmm. and then you throw the rattle as, yeah. as soon as you've had five he's, games he's, you know he, he, he's, a, he's another player like that never grew to his potential uh, you know he's got Alinty he's never kind of there was always talk to him when he uh, signed for Celtic that he was going to be the next big player but he never kind of progressed in his career so he didn't score at it no it was just an attitude thing I think he's always had the talent but I think it's probably just an attitude problem that he's had yeah I go what you're saying there no yeah exactly like, and it seems to ha- happen to a lot of players uh, young players now these days don't it where where money mark kind of turns their head don't it you know it happens that, that, that seems to be a big issue with young players now is they're more interested in the money rather than staying with the likes of Celtic. Uh, they're more interested in the money and being able to afford a fancy motor and the right clothes and a bit of gold hanging off their wrist and the mm-hmm. was it, was social it? media and that. That's what young players are. Was it? So they're, they're more about image now than actually in the park. Look at Paul Pogba. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul mm-hmm. Pogba, to me, he does it talent in the world when he's a young player. He defaulted with Ferguson when he was a young man at Man United. And he's never became the player that he should have been. I get he's quarter of a million a week or something like that. For mm-hmm. near worth that, no player's worth that money in my opinion. But even in the day's market, Paul Pogba's never became the player that he should have been. But he's got the image and 
he reminds me of the kind of Balotelli. He was always in the headlines and always making headlines, but never actually done it much on the park. And that's just mm-hmm. how young players look at it now. They're just trying to make as much money as they can. I think what I would have Mike, Should there be a cap, Mike, Michael? Should there be a cap? Sorry, should there be a cap on young players across uh, European football that they can only earn a certain amount? Or... I, think that, I think that ship sailed a long time ago. I think it would be mm-hmm. impossible to. Yeah. Especially agents, no interest, super agents and stuff like that, as they call themselves. That boy, you know, not that signed to the new club. It's on like 40, 50 grand a week. He's only just broken to the Chelsea first team. How do you make mm-hmm. that? You can't, well, it's impossible to keep. And how many players actually want to play for the club or play for the budge? you got all these guys that are kissing the badge after one game and everything. And that, but exactly. as soon as they get a sniff at a bigger wage elsewhere, that's them. They'll just drop trowel and off they go, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, unless you actually get a player that, like, like a chat, like, another player that I would, like, that I would love to come in and would be a great addition to the squad, is that James McQueen at Stoke? I don't mm-hmm. care what anybody says, and I've seen him that many times. He's a fighter. He's a fighter. Guy, like, yeah. Yes, and that's what we lacked this season was a fighter. And the Scott you know? Brown and that leaving and that, and it's all like bringing in guys like Ferguson, who I think can be in the big mould regarding attitude and stuff, but they're going to need to replace that figure in the dressing room. Mark, I think I don't understand why we get rid of Johnny Hayes. Yeah. He wasn't the best player we had that knew. Well, he fought, Mark, didn't he? That's, and that's what we were missing. We spoke, yeah. a, spoke about it before, about who our captain would be, and how we, we don't need a captain, really. We need leaders over the park. Johnny Hayes was that type of player. James McLean would be that type of player. James McCarthy would be that type of player. It's as long as it's not going to cost us mega money. I don't see anything wrong with bringing in the players in as part of the squad. Well, I think, Mark, the days of the likes of uh, Scott Brown spending 14 years of Celtic, like after James Forrest and maybe Callum McGregor, it's going to be a long time that we see a Celtic player staying at the club for so long, I think. You know, I think that the modern player now. Max will stay at the club for four, three, four years, I think, you know? Ah, so, that's just modern, aye. That's just modern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as like Michael said there, like that, one week they're, they're kissing the badge and the next week they're gone. Do you know? You know? Oh, I, I just think, it's not just getting players to stay for three and four years, it's getting players that are good enough to stay that long over, mm-hmm. over the longevity of their careers. Because a lot of people are good for two or three seasons and they just they just know the same player and it's time to move on. But is it like... Uh, sorry, Michael, go on. It's just hard to get a player that's consistent for that long. But like Scott Brown, about, and that, like you said, he's a, he didn't get many players like that over no. 10 years or whatever it was that can perform like that week in, week out. That's a, that's a rare breed, that. But Mark, like, who's it down to? Like, is it down to the bad management from the board or is it the agent? pushing for a bigger fee for his player and maybe a better payoff for the agent or is it the player themselves or is it a mix of all three that the players have gone down to the last year of their contract? It's a mix of all three. As um, as we said before, I've Yeah, you spoke about like that. It was bad. The last contract, yes. We're coming into the last year of their contract at the same time but we all applauded Peter Law for keeping them so we can't Mm -hmm. even for over that. But it was a bit of bad planning and players that if they were going to 
spit the dummy out, they should have forced her, forced her move maybe a bit better. But I want them only uh, request a transfer because it'll cost them money. Mm-hmm. You've got to take that in. But agents, it's just, if your player's moving, you're making money. If you're well, back roughly, like, how much would it have cost us, roughly, do you think, to sign Fletcher Foster at the time when he wanted, when basically he wanted to secure his future because he's, he's 34, 33, 34. He didn't want to be out and loan again and he wanted a permanent move. That's what we heard at the start of the season. Like, roughly what was said to be expected or so Hampton would have wanted for him. To be honest, I, I couldn't really guess, Paul, but there, there was Celtic just wanted Fraser Foster to come back up, and he'd agreed today. He told Peter Lowe and he told Neil Lennon he'd come back up. So Celtic were willing to take him on loan, which would have helped him financially, because Southampton was still paying exactly. another year his wages, or they were willing to try and come to an agreement with Southampton for a permanent transfer. Something happened when he went back down to, uh, to Southampton at the end of the season, wasn't it? a Foster that just said, no, it was him that turned it down after telling Lennon and Lowell that he would come back up. So That's Celtic, true. Mm-hmm. Celtic were willing to go, go through the loan route to help him out with the money side yet, with the wages, or were willing to come to an agreement with Southampton for a full uh, transfer fee, and it was Fraser Foster that pulled the plug on it. What mm-hmm. I find strange is Elvis Day and Mark are you want to start, now you Paul can enlighten me. Why would a player employ an agent in this day and age with all the money? I mean, maybe it's just me or maybe it's just the, the greedy side of me, but I'd want every single pound to myself. And with the fees that the agents get mm-hmm. to make the transfer, how would you know to negotiate that yourself? I just don't understand this agency thing. I mean, it's just me. I just want to negotiate it myself if, would- and then other money's mine. I would love to get Ed Two on the podcast to get into all this because Ed Two knows see that uh, Viola, the big agent Viola. Yeah, Mino Mino Raiola. Personal friends, personal friends with him and everything. Honestly, I'd love to get Ed Two on to talk about this because it has some of the stuff he tells us on on our wee private chat room thing about what agents are demanding for players to move and that is unbelievable. Honestly, the money in that, and even don't he? <clears throat> what family members are demanding <laughs> things, crazy money. It's like Messi. Messi's uh, father's his agent, Mark, isn't he? Messi's father, isn't he? Is he involved with Messi's contract negotiations, his father? I think he is. Yeah. I can understand that to a degree. Like your dad or your brother or that. That's true. To be honest, I'd have been hard up. Well, that was a very great player, but I'd have been quite happy to trust that my dad was looking after that I wasn't getting mugged off. And see if you're getting employing, employing an agent, it should be to try and get you like your boot deals, your kit deals and things like that. Razors and trying to hawk you about, trying to make money out of transfer fees and sign your own fees and your the percentages of what you get in that. I think uh, just to, uh, I think some of these agents as well, I'm not talking about the top top end agents, but you'll see some players in their careers, right, and they've moved They've been at 17, 18 different clubs and it's like the Harlem Globetrotters. They've been mm-hmm. all over Europe. They've been in Africa. They've been in South America. They've been in Eastern Europe. And you're thinking, are these guys just getting one season at a club because the agent dropping his knickers to every Tom, Dick and Harry that's waving a wad of cash in his face? Is this boy wanting to be, like, you know, p- p- like you know, passed from pillar to post, you know? <laughs> if you're looking at the players, they don't even look on those players. They're looking like look. clients. 
Are you looking at their client's career? Is it good for them to move there, or is it just that's another twenty grand in my pocket this year? Do you look at Robbie Keane? Um, uh, Robbie Keane was a, a multi-millionaire loan because of all these sign-on fees he signed for sign just for him for sign-on fees. All these uh, these clubs that he played with, he uh, he got a sign-on fee. Like so, your agent's going to discuss all those things for you. Like you know, do you know? I think the quote here, Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane back in the day was um, when he signed for LA Galaxy, and he said it was always a dream to play for that club. <laughs> I was thinking to myself. I felt like, like the only thing he thought about LA Galaxy was was a chocolate bar. No, I mean he's, he's telling the <laughs> yeah. fans it was a dream to go to America and sign for them. Eyes, life, and everything. Every club that he signed for, he said the exact same crap all the time. Yeah, don't they? Oh, I, it's I, I love this. Few like that. I think there's been a few players over the years that have all came out with it's the only club I've wanted to play for, and that. Mhm. It's the only person, and um, I actually spoke to. When I was out doing my my work today, the one the man's in the shop. He's a he's a huge um, Leeds United fan. Mark, we were discussing the last contract about Bazelli. Is it the manager? Is he? The Leeds B- B- Bielsa, yeah. We were talking about him, Mark. That he discusses his own contract and pays his staff uh, out of that out of, out of that package. Remember, we were discussing that. Uh-huh. So I asked him about that. Was it true? And he said, Yeah, that. What he t- no no I just I asked him <laughs> it's not only does he do that right he sends money over to his first club in Argentina every year he sends over about a million pounds to them every year so they can buy players for his first team like this is just a local team and thing he built him a brand new stadium two years ago for two million he said you know that's a player who is not interested in the financial side of t- of football who never was he just loves the game. That's why Martel Bielsa is the kind of manager that will never, ever, ever be at Celtic because he's got full control over everything. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens in that club, play the tea lady, right to anything, he's in control. And that's how he would never, ever be at Celtic. Because I've seen a few people on the forum say, oh, Eddie Howe, they didn't want Eddie Howe or that. I'd love for anybody to tell me in this current climate on who's available, who's a better manager to come in at Celtic than Eddie Howe. I don't think there is, Mark, is there? Goku. Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. Who's won Dutch League titles? I don't know. Not for, not for me. He, uh, maybe it's because I can understand him as a player. Like, he's the most overrated player ever in the Dutch. Jonas, we have, we, we have a, a regular guest on, on the show, Barry, who played for Dundee United. But Dundee, but you, plays for... I, <laughs> all right. Oh, you're going the other way. Like, yeah. You're going... <laughs> He was another person who, who, who didn't see the financial side of the game. He just wanted to play football. And that was his main goal was to play football. And when I tell you, like, that type of player is gone. It's just money. Now, it, they could, the young player could just move down. So, and he'd be quite happy to sit on the bench and get 30 to 40 grand. Do you know? Look at Farouz. Look at Farouz of his ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even think he's wear a club anymore, is he? No, he sells clothes or hats or something, yeah. <laughs> he's what? No, that's, not, that's not even a joke, he sells designer hats. Designer hats? Yeah, cuts. Like, that's what he sells. God. I thought so. he was saying he plays for her. <laughs> <laughs> so, that Kelpie hat. That's, that's gone. Go on, 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 on
But like Jeez. Hellboy doing the market. Yeah. A lot of hits along the lines, that yeah. Oh. So moving on from, from transfer targets and, and stuff like that and it's actually quite thing that we spoke about Fraser Foster because our next topic is, is Benjamin Seeger. Jonas, have you ever have you heard any more links to the Seagulls with Celtic or what's his situation with at Dundee United? I've not heard any links to you lad since like the last like sort of speculation. I did hear some some uh, Ipswich fan on a forum on Twitter came out and said oh he's available for four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand, yeah. Which is utter like but the thing is how how would some Ipswich fan on a fans forum know what he was worth like eh? That I think it's so they came. I saw yeah, on Twitter, yeah. didn't read into it much yeah. when it came. That's how uh, these stories grow and so. Uh, uh, but you'll find a lot of local paper journalists, and they've been guilty of it up here as well. Like the local paper, they'll they'll see something that someone tweets or, and then they'll they'll try mm-hmm. and pass it off as a, a story in the paper, like as if if it's a, a bit of transfer speculation. And that's what I said. A few boys were up in arms about it. I said, "Listen, lads, how is some lad from Ipswich that's just bashed out?" something on his computer got got an idea what we value our, our one of our prized assets that I said it smacks to the typical English like sort of mentality and bear in mind that's what I'm not even sure if Ipswich have been promoted out of League One or if they're in the championship next year or mm-hmm. whatever I mean it just smacks to the typical arrogance down there that they can just wave a wave a derisory offer in the face of a Scottish because I actually found that very, very cheap in what the way yourself and, and Michael were, were talking about I, I would think he'd be worth more than that maybe one million or, or yeah. something like that obviously you know yeah well like like I say they think they just wave a derisory offer in the face of a Scottish club and they'll, they'll just bow yeah. down to it you know and like I say I, I personally for what I think he's worth and, and the, the situation that the club's in because obviously there was a pandemic and no income I would like to see him go for nearer a million pounds, if I'm being honest with you. And that's not me trying to be greedy or saying that he's worth more than what he is. But for he's made 131 saves in the league this season, which is something like the next goalkeeper after him was 96 saves or something. Which is he's probably I'm, no, I hadn't really seen much of him to be spoke about before, and I've watched some YouTube videos and that in Dundee United games, and he's probably been as poor to Dundee United as his McGregor has been to Rangers this year. Mm-hmm. He will. Shanklin got us promoted last season and Seagrist has kept us up this year with his saves. Like the number we he's easily won us probably five or six games that we scraped out of an odd goal victory where he's made we got a point at Hibs away and he's he made I think he made eight saves in that game, the most recorded by any goalkeeper in this league season, and we scored the ninety seventh minute equaliser. So if it wasn't for his saves we would have took nothing from that game. So there's another point in the bag of, that if it wasn't for his contribution we wouldn't have had. Ninety seventh minute. I'd check which goals the ref went to with that one. Oh, to me, honestly, it was. I went to the toilet. I missed the goal. I was in the toilet. Come running through, and <laughs> bouncing about my living room. <laughs> and Mike, Mike, you you rate him highly, uh, Seagus, don't you? You you like to see Celtic sign maybe as a backup because yeah, he's obviously I, I, better than what we have at the moment. You know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a Celtic number one. And like I've reiterated and over and over again, I. But could he back. like coming coming in like? Walk with the likes of Stevie Woods, like improve him to come that next level. Do you think? Well, I'm not saying anything about Dundee United's coaches now, but I'm on about would he be able to come a Celtic number one? Do you think? Well, Stevie Woods is probably the best goalkeeping coach in the UK, is he? Mm-hmm. So um, working under him, it's only going to enhance him, and I think it'll help Barkas as well because Bar- it's not exactly help Barkas's morale, is it? The fact that Bain and Hazard got a game ahead on this season, <laughs> no, I mean, so mm-hmm. I, I, I think Jonas 
agree doesn't well, doesn't want to agree, but if Celtic offered money and Bain to Dundee United, I think that would be a, deal, a decent deal for everybody. How would you feel about Bain going to Dundee United? <laughs> See, in all honesty, like I've not seen enough of him to know what if he would dare. And that's I've a good team. Big, that's I've a good it. team. The thing is, right, when he was at Dundee, there was a bit of aggro with him and there was a few sort of... He had a, f- a couple of snipes in the paper against United and whatever. And I've seen him a couple of times and I've seen him sort of... I have seen him make a couple of howlers and things like that. Mm-hmm. The overall consensus, our fan base are keen on him, put it that way. Like, and it's not to do with he was a Dundee connection. They've, just from what they've seen this season and the games that they've seen, some of the mistakes he's made, they don't want him. I wouldn't be, you know... I, I wouldn't be overly sort of one way or the other about it like, but like you say I don't think the general consensus is favourable on that one like it but then again I mean it just depends what happens eh? you know it's all speculation at the minute eh? and how is our young keeper getting on with you uh, last two in how, how's he seen to, has he been playing a few games for you or? yeah he's, he started the last two league games and to be fair he made a really good save at the weekend when Lee Irwin was through one on one made a really good save and he wasn't at fault for either of the goals we drew two each with Motherwell and it was all the young guys playing and mm-hmm. to be fair, I don't think he had a save to make. And okay, they conceded two goals, but it was a great finish for Devante Cole on the volley and then another a sort of close-range effort. I think Mark Connolly slid in front of him and he was going to save it, but Connolly jumped in front of him and deflected it over the young lad. So he's mm-hmm. not been at fault for anything. I think the only area he struggled in a wee bit, he, he probably needed to bulk up a bit because he did get... He, did, he looks a bit shaky coming for cross balls, but other than that, he seemed solid enough. But it's hard to tell playing in sort of games that don't mean much because most teams yeah. are in hol- holiday mode and... I was all young guys playing, so he's not really been tested. But like I say, he's not done anything wrong either. Do you think? Do you think Barkas seems to be a bit, a bit nice be, being the keeper, going by 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 uh, by his waist? Do you think he's a bit light for a keeper? Ah, the thing is, is the, the European football sort of different. It's probably yeah, much different, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, though, he's got. I mean, if he's going to play a part, he's got pre-season, so he can easy with a sort of level of sports science and coaching like, and all that. Like, that get. You know what I mean? You can like, easily beef up, you know. <laughs> yeah, like European keepers, like they're they seem to be more of a, a no fielder though than, than than a keeper, don't they? they? They need to be good in their feet as we in Scottish football. Like they need to be a bit more physical, don't they? You know. I'm not overly keen on this. Your goalkeepers have got to be good with their feet. I'm from an old school mentality yeah, in football, but your goalkeepers, your your goalkeepers there to keep the ball out the net. You want the keeper to be half daft. I'd rather be smart than good like, good like, feet. Like, like myself, like myself when I played in goal, I was I was I was more like the piece of Kerad when he said Avitz and he kicks the ball over the fence. But the you thing know, is, I, you, you, I mean, you are right. You are laughing about that. But if, if my goalkeeper shanked a, a like one into the stand and okay, you got Aski grumbles from the stand. I'd rather that than he passed it straight to a striker and then we conceded from. It. I'd rather the ball was mm-hmm. in the stand nine times out. And at 10 times out of 10 because you're never going to concede the heart <laughs> moment when they try to do the wee back heel shimmy to beat the attacker as they're closing them down oh. I don't buy this as well that like goalkeepers like Barkas who he looks like and if I look at all the top goalkeepers in the world Allison, Ederson Ter Stegen mm-hmm. they're all bean poles no I mean so they're not any, any weight difference Bar- Bar- Barkas reminds me Van der Sar. Look at that. I mean, they were not, they were not I don't mean he's a keeper. I mean, he's physical. Is that type of keeper too light for Scottish football? No, I don't think so. Oh. I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, McGregor's not exactly... Well, is he? No, I don't no, think I mean, so. 
like there's goalkeepers aren't really like I mean Hugh Jersey, you know. I mean, I don't think that is. I think he just needs to get used to a wee bit more. Like you can be thin and still be tough. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that just because you're a thinner build, you're any less tough than someone is three four stone on you. And you wouldn't think I was a goalkeeper if you see the size of me. But <laughs> <laughs> you need to realise, well, remember he came for AEK Athens, mm-hmm. and like they're massive in Greece. Olympiacos, Panathinaikos, AEK Athens, A3. I mean, he's not came for a small club either. But like I said, I've said, I don't want to go too much into it. You've got to take into account the year that he's came. Like I said, I, uh, I, I, I would put num- like, loads of money on it. He's going to be a top goal scorer. Goal I, I have to, uh, to to just switch the live chat there quickly, and I, I agree with Iceman here on uh, Barry on the on the live chat. He said, "Would go to fame." Said, "Goalkeepers are goalkeepers because they can't play outfield," and I agree with that because I couldn't play outfield, so I was crap outfield. So that's why I decided to play in goal, and I said I was good in goal either, but I played in goal. <laughs> And I know, actually, now that I've seen Barry in the chat, I'd love him to comment on when he was there, he would have played with Julian Sparone. Sparone, yeah. He was small and thin. And he's one of the gold, best goalkeepers that's played in the SPL in the last 20 years. And I'd love to get his opinion on actually seeing him actually play. Because in my opinion, like you said, he was one of the best goalkeepers as well. And he was, like you said, he was tiny. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, this nope. like, whole thing about commanding goal. Like, I think Manuel Neuer, for Bayern, He's the only goalkeeper I can think of that's one of the best that's massive and like built mm-hmm. out of the way as well. Schmeichel's a bit of a unit. Yeah, like Schmeichel and Neuer, I think they were very similar, were they? Even in attitude as well. Yeah, even the way they, they kind of they move their, their body, don't they? They block the ball with their feet and, you know, they, they, they're very slim as similarities, don't they? Schmeichel and Neuer, don't they? they you know? Spreading themselves, would not they? Yeah. They just yeah. their arms and legs spread out. Just sometimes you can see a bit like Max, you can see a, a glimpse of uh, Peter in Casper as well, can't you? The way the, the way he he kind of saves. Definitely watched his dad playing. I. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from that, uh, Jonas, you, you've got myself and Mark uh, very confused uh, over a tweet you you put up that Celtic are supposed to be signing some youngster called Jesse. It's, uh, I can't pronounce it, I-K-P-E-M-E. Who is this young fella? It's really dead. Hey, what was this? You put up a tweet, that, that there was a tweet came out, and you commented that Celtic are signing some great youngster. It was, his name was Jesse, and it was I-K-P-E-M-E. You made a, some, someone tweeted this, and you said that he'd be some youngster of Celtic would sign him. I can't even think when this was. Uh, about two weeks ago, was it, Mark, was this? I have when no I, idea. I, can't, I, I don't know if I need to go back. I honestly can't remember. But, well, well, it was, myself and Mark looked it up and there was uh, a Christian teacher that came up, Mark, was it or something like that, was this? Uh, it was maybe just, I don't know what what what, what, what that was about. Like, uh, Yeah, uh, we, I find that tweet and I'd send it, I'd send it <laughs> to Mark. I think we have that covered up, so this player that we were supposed to... To, to I was. I don't know. I like. I can't think of what I was actually referring to there. I was maybe. I don't know if I was being wide or something, or I was just something that, or maybe I seen something and I just completely. We thought. I don't. Mm-hmm. Joke that we'd missed the joke on after we'd looked. <laughs> yeah, it was just put uh, a Christian teacher, Mark. Like this. And I was like, who's this? 
been wearing their boot this and I was like You know what, I was it was probably yeah. some daft it was probably I was at the wind up or something or something stupid or it sounds like that because that doesn't ring a bell. I can't even remember talking about that to be fair, so he's I've got me stumped on that one was. <laughs> the Christian he was a Christian when we typed it in, he was a Christian teacher. And we were looking going, Who the star him? Like we couldn't maybe find it, an oh, no, maybe it was someone, maybe I spelt his name wrong or something, but it doesn't ring a bell. I'd have to go through my teeth. <laughs> so, to be honest, there's been, there's been rumours uh, going wrong on, on, on some social feed that Mickey Mallon is is uh, being linked to Tramway Rovers. Like, and, and we've seen uh, uh, Celtic lose managers to, to teams down, down the south. You know, is, is there any truth that she could lose him to Chamber Rovers or is it all just rumours uh, going no, on with yourselves? I think that was that, that was put to bed because the players reported for the pre-season debrief I think it was on Monday that the training base in St Andrews and I think the word from that was that he came out and said that he wanted to stay and he sort of that like he, was, he said that he wants to push for top six a good cup run the aim is to reach a cup final and push high up into the league next year, and that was what he said to the players, and he said he wants to stay. He also said in the local media that he'd signed up to have golf membership at St Andrews, and he's moved his family and that up here, so he intends to stay. So I think mm-hmm. that was that was just I think it was just people putting two and two together because Brad Tranmere sat like man, their manager, although making the playoffs, their manager departed, and it was just an easy bit of sort of journalism to throw together. Like you know, I don't there was much much sort That's, of weight behind that. And, and if he did. If he, if we say if he did like, eventually leave you or things like that, myself and Mark and Michael have have been saying for the last two months like that, John Kennedy needs to go to a Scottish team and prove himself if he wants to be a centre manager. Would you consider John John Kennedy being a Dundee manager, Dundee United manager of what you've saw of him so far this season? He's not got enough experience. Like I mean, we're not in a position where. We want to sort of strengthen next season. I'm not saying that he couldn't have come in and do a job, but I don't think it's the right sort of... I mean, if he'd had a few years at management and he'd proved his CV that he'd done a decent job, but all he's mm-hmm. really done is, is come in and basically sort of read off the same hymn sheet as what Lennon was doing. So I'm not sure that there's that it would... You know, it would be difficult, you know what I mean? Because he probably would be used to... I mean, he's never worked in a club where his budget will be dramatically less than yes. what he's used to not being able to go out and play players. He, he's still going to be working with a different sort of... I just don't think... It, I think it would be a non-starter. Like, I don't think I don't think it would be well-received either, you know? It tells you a lot be, as well as that fact that he's exactly. in Celtic just now. And the fact exactly. that you're asking the United support if they were taken there and even they're saying no. no I mean, like, that, in that case, like, what level... Is John Kennedy at Mark, do you think? Is he is he lower than the, the, the Scottish Premier League? Should he go down to Scottish League 1 or maybe League 3 in England? Or No, I think he's good enough for a lower league team in the Premier Division in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe no, you're Dundee United. I, 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 I thought Kennedy would have been a lot better than he had. I thought he'd have shown a lot better for Celtic than he has. Yeah, he, he, he is, as he said, like for life, like with Lennon, hasn't he? I'm surprised that he didn't, he wasn't in the run for like the Aberdeen job because as a mm-hmm. well respected coach with people that know a lot more about football than me. And But now, if what I've seen when he's took over for Celtic, I'm not too sure that he could actually take over like an Aberdeen, a Dundee right or Hibs. But see, somebody lower down in the Scottish League, like I don't even know, Motherwell or Kilmarnock, somebody like that, it could probably would probably be, be able to do a job for them there. Mm-hmm. Like 
Jonas, do you think like that, considering he hasn't kind of had his own mark on on the Celtic team, like he, it was just basically like for like with with Neil Lennon, as, as you said, like has he maybe tarnished his reputation a small bit? You think by going for jobs? Well, it depends on. I mean, he was maybe getting told from above that like. This is you're going with a status quo here. You're just a sort of yes man until the end of the season to sort of appease people or whatever. He's maybe been he's maybe not pulling the strings. He's maybe been told like this is who's getting picked or he's maybe there's maybe a clique in the like you said the Scott Brown clique was maybe like well I'm playing him the club captain and there was pressure from within to, for him to play the sort of old guard. Even the board night said look we're still playing Edward and Christie yes, exactly. Brown ah this money so. He, you're here till the end of the season just to like get us over the line as a firefighter sort of so you'll be doing what you're telling he was maybe just a puppet you know what I mean he was maybe not getting the say he was just maybe told like this is who's playing and that's it like you know mm-hmm. Michael that's interesting you know what John's is saying like that maybe he's been told play these players do you think Lennon was maybe told play these players like of Edward Christie and Chama or your you know I wouldn't think. I wouldn't agree I with that. So. I, I no? just think that just pick a number for us. It, it was Lennon, and that was it. I mm-hmm. think it was that delusional that he thought it would work. I actually, it's like I think if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, you, you, you start to believe it works. Uh, and I think that's yeah. the just kept picking the same and the same. And look at Kennedy; he did exactly mm-hmm. the same thing. He just proved it. Like if he had, if he ever ever had a chance to manage himself, like, it was finished after what he's did in the last. Game. Even when we talk about what the board done in earlier in the season, which as we spoke about, we always said Celtic on paper should have been the better team this season, and they weren't. Mm-hmm. It was as if everybody was just waiting on it clicking, because if it clicked, it would have been a totally different. Yeah. And it was just that, it was as if the board were waiting because it would click. Lennon was waiting because it would click. And then Ke- even Kennedy thought, oh, right, Lennon's away, they'll play for me, they'll do better for me, and it'll click, and it just... It just didn't, like, so it didn't work out. That's basically how the way... I think it just went, it just went, it just went so bad, Mark, it went beyond repair, you know, this season, like, it just went beyond it, like, didn't it? You know? That basically, yeah, right, it was, if the team had, if the team had clicked, it'd have been a totally different outlook. Even when mm. the protests about Lennon and that, but it just never happened. And then Kennedy, I know never. And Kennedy, I mean, it didn't change anything. I knew we were in trouble when uh, Lennon came out in, in the in the in uh, the Champions qualifiers, and he said he said about the players leaving, leave. Do you know if you want to be here, leave. I knew from day one that there was going to be trouble in this this uh, this season in this club. You know, I knew it. Like I, 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 I knew that gradually uh, Rangers are going to catch us and stuff like that. But I, I did not often feel about this, this uh, last season that things would go wrong, and they have went wrong. And I, I think it's due to the fact that Len wasn't good enough. And I, I I'm not saying as a the, the, the bad monk, but he seems to fall out with a lot of players where he goes. You know, we saw with Hibs, we saw with with Celtic, like, and, and with the rumours coming out that he had to be separated from a few players this season, like, you you have to think of all in consideration, Mark, don't you? You know. Sorry, Paul. What was that? I said, like, with with all these stories about him 
falling out with players, like being dragged away from players in in, in fights, like and like like some of these things, there, there must be some truth to them. No, considering how this season felt so badly, like you know. But there's always phone outs in dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. Next time Barry's on, probably ask Barry about even the phone outs. He's seen the arguments and the, things like that happen, but. Still, even if you don't, even if you don't, if you're going to work as any job in life, if you don't like your manager, doesn't mean you do your job yeah. any less. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Me and Jonas have played together at all level, and he's played for the teams I played for. And as a captain, I was in the way I liked within the thing, but that was just the way it was. And the fights that I used to have in dressing rooms and everything, and that, over, and that was even if you won the game. That happens every single week. Uh, and, uh, at any level. Exactly. At any level, because everybody wants to win. No, I mean, and like you say, you can, win, you can win a trophy, but you'll still argue about something that happened in the game. It happens all the time, but we're going back to Lennon. And I, I love Neil Lennon as a player and as a man mm-hmm. in his first stint, even when he came back to study the ship after what Roger's done. But... Surely, if he loved Celtic that much this season, he would have left exactly. off his own back months before that he was pushed out. Surely. Know what I mean? But I just mm-hmm. like he just he thought, I can turn this round, I can make this work. I think he really thought he could, Mark, didn't he? I think, Do you think that, Paul, I do? I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. He had his heart on it like that, yeah. Even you know? in the same frame of mind that he could turn it round, it was down to the players if the players there's a lot more Mark yeah to the, there's a lot more to the players that we don't know what happened within the players like because we said it Mark like uh, in previous fight that there was there, there seems to be two groups within the dressing room you know and I, I've listened to um, Simon Donnelly and, and he was saying that even the, even within the two groups and of all his experience that Scott Rung wasn't able to settle the dressing room you know, within these two groups, that there was two groups within the Celtic dressing room, one half against the other half. And if it's going, to be, if you were a dressing room with two different halves, Mark, it's impossible for you to to, to, to get on. In this, you know, I'm not going to put the blame for the season on Scott Brown. Apart, no, from but that's what I'm saying. But, but he wasn't unable to. As a captain, he should he should have been like the middle man. We've spoke before. Mm-hmm. How your your assistant managers the buffer between the team and the manager and the captains the buffer between the assistant manager and further up the chain. So if it was a, that kind of thing, unless Scott Brown was the leader of one of the groups, it was on one of the. Do you know what I mean? That was. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we we'll actually never will find out, Mark. I think really will be never find out over the years. But I'd like to think that there's enough. Professionals at Celtic, they wouldn't let that really affect them as such. Mm-hmm. But that's when was it Lennon that said that there was when he said that thing, and I can't remember the exact words. Somebody will need to probably correct. Oh, the, the, the thing. Yes, we want to be here. No. Yeah, but he said that there's been stuff that's happened behind the scenes that's like that I'll not be able to be commented on or something like that. I've I've seen people saying that he said that, but I've not actually seen it. Like Mark, we talked about that before. That maybe part of Lennon's agreement, even that these, we never find out these things because they'd be 
bound by contract that they'll never come out, whatever happens. You know what I mean? So I don't think we'll ever will. Oh, well, they signed non disclosure agreements. That's yeah. part of Mace Manager's contracts. Mm-hmm. They, sign, Look, they sign them, and if they break them, they can get sued over it, which would probably be like you get sued for your severance pay. Which is, mm-hmm. you'll, never, you'll never really find out the truth. Because even you read people's autobiographies, and it's just around spin on things again. I've managed exactly. to bring up the quote that it was on February. Precedent circumstances, aren't this? Yeah, uh, Neil Lennon insists Celtic disaster season has mitigating circumstances that must be kept secret. Why would you even come out in the press and say that? That's like telling your that's, mate, oh, by the way, you're missing the season, 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 Conspiracy theory stuff into it because you know even Lennon would know himself when he came out and said that everybody's going to start off oh, with it's this, what if it's that, who's fell out with who, or so and so's pumped so and so's wife, and this you went for that, you're in the dressing room. John Terry. <laughs> the bonkside, that's what I call him, the bonkster. He just looks like a bonkster outside the nightclub where you're not coming in here tonight. You know, some <laughs> player, um, I, I, I'm actually surprised he's not linked with us. Uh, moving on, so I have a list of players that, that, that I picked up, and who is the best player that Celtic signed from Dundee United? And it'd be the opposite then for you, Jones, who played for both teams. So I have um, Guy McStevens, Stuart Armstrong, Lucas Luska, Mark Wilson. Barry Robson, Jackie McNamara, Charlie McGrew, Scott McDonald, we have Scott Allen there, and Nita Difke, you said, was it? No, Difke. That's the Cork accent coming out. We're not good at pronouncing foreign names. so good at pronouncing Scottish names, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me with the Irish names. I had a great comment there. I was talking to uh, United Ireland, and he, he was asking me, do I speak Irish, the, the Gaelic? And I'm looking going, uh, basic, not even basic, you know? Jeez, it's a shame, like, because we actually, it's a dying language. Our native language is a dying language within within our country, you know? I feel like that would be Ned. See, look, I talk Nedish. Nedish is dying off now as well. 20 years ago, my accent was fine. The last 20 years started to fade away and people don't understand what I'm saying now. Jeez. Uh, so, going back to the players, we'll move on from accents and uh, who who would you like, who would you think was the best player that, the footballist that played for both Celtic and, and Dundee United? If, if I was to pick one that made an impact instantly that I thought was outstanding and I'll probably know what people think, I thought it was Barry Robson. Yeah, I was looking at the same, Michael, yeah. Barry when Robson. he came into Celtic, it was a nice debut. He scored that header against Barcelona, and then he got a Heston scored as well in that mm-hmm. game. He was a player like that went in for tackles. Then he wasn't afraid to jump out of tackles. So he oh, wasn't. That's another one that people always say, oh, like Rangers men, and if that he's one of the biggest Rangers men you can get. But look when he scored against Rangers, and that when he scored the penalty, and that I've never seen many reactions from a player like that. Just the passion he, showed when he played. Was he a Rangers supporter, Michael? Was he? Yeah, yeah, he was a diehard Rangers supporter. Yeah. Um, there's been a few interviews in the past, I think it was on Open Goal, where I would watch a lot of the stuff, and he was interviewed in that. But that's, that's, just when, that's to, when he started his career at Rangers. That's just going to uh, 
that's just going to show like that if we did make an, an approach for, for Lewis Ferguson like that, just because his family history is there, it shouldn't come into account, Michael. So it shouldn't who they supported or who they, their family supported. Like, it should be about the player on the pitch and who he plays for, isn't it? Yeah, and Barry, mm-hmm. like, Barry Robson, like says, when he played for United, like he was outstanding for Dundee United. When they lost Barry Robson, that was a real sickness to them. Well, Jonas will be able to tell you. Another good player, really, and, and, and I, I raised him and, and myself and Mark missed him when we were doing the, the, the Legends player, Jackie McNamara. He, he was a good player for Celtic as well during the years, wasn't he, Jackie McNamara? Well, he's one of my favourites. I said that on the previous podcast. Like, mm-hmm. when I, like, people used to who said that and, name to us? Yes, who said that name to us when myself and Mark were taught you to go, he forgot about Jackie McNamara. Yeah, Jackie Mark, like you say, he was... I mean, all the players for me to pick in the early 2000s is one of my idols that was, when you had all the players, it was still Jackie Mark or Maravchek for me. That was, like, the best standout back in the day. Mm-hmm. Mark, who would you well, think? There wasn't that many for me to try to win there, no. Stuart Armstrong's got to be up there as one of the best. I thought Stuart mm-hmm. Armstrong's a great player for us. Uh, I, 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 I thought there'd been a lot more to pick for mm-hmm. that, that's, we, we checked and that's what came up yeah, we were like, kind of struggling to find players that transferred between between the two clubs mm-hmm. uh, Gary Max Stevens kind of never really took off a Celtic either so he didn't he was in and out of teams really weren't he Guy, you want to you want to uh, like Johnny, he'll tell you, like you said, he, he, what he did at Celtic was what he did for Dundee United. Um, yeah. You know, about one in every ten games, you'd see him play well. Aye, like, like, uh, just uh, that's Michael spot on. Like, see, with GMS, the problem was with us. See if, see if every single week was a Dundee derby, he'd be, he'd be a contender for the Ballon d'Or. I'll tell you one thing. See if you took him on Tuesday night against Ross County on a freezing cold day in November. He'd be as much use as a chocolate fire guard. Just didn't wasn't interested. If he got kicked in the first five minutes, he was a man down for the rest of the game. He was probably good at and one in every six to eight games for us. He wasn't consistent enough. Eh? Mm-hmm. And what way was what what what? what I, he was a great player for us. Was was Sean Armstrong? He, he scored some goals. Was was he the same with just uh, your? Oh, was, yeah, like he, he was underappreciated. You know, people probably didn't appreciate at the time how good he actually was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like see when he left, like we, people say, oh, we miss GMS. People will remember GMS because he did like a hocus pocus or like the guys get away, and he did keep you up over a Kilmarnock's boy's head on the touchline and stuff. A Tom Rogic kind of character. Yeah. Rogic, but no consistency. I like you say, like he, he did a bit of skill, but he trapped the ball, like balanced it on his foot, did keep you up over a boy's head and everything, right? So he makes all the fancy compilation videos, like he had. I like you had a box of tricks in that, but like you say, you've seen him once in every eight games if you were lucky. Whereas Armstrong was consistent, and you know, like the younger people just remember, I remember GMS did this trick and that trick, but what they forget about is the actual overall contribution from Armstrong was far, far more detrimental his loss than GMS is like. And right here, what is a main thing from Buzz? Didn't he study law as well? Armstrong, when he was with Celtic, he studied to be a lawyer, didn't he? Yeah, he's got he's got a degree as well. He's degree, an intelligent lad, yeah. Lad, yep. Yeah, you know, um, going back there, uh, that's probably Scott Mac- if it done deal, it got a degree. I've actually got a degree, you're speaking of a degree holder right now. <laughs> first person from, from Dundee, 
going into a courthouse with shot and shutting down his innocent days. <laughs> It's a doctor of Christianity. <laughs> I basically just turned up and wrote my name on a few pages of paper and they handed us an honours degree. Great scenes. <laughs> and Scott Marciano and Jonas signed for late on for his career. Did he have any impact with yourselves when he signed for you? He was probably playing in the worst Dundee United team that I've seen in my lifetime. Worst mm-hmm. in the relegation season team under Ray McKinnon. He was just too old and the pro... I mean, don't get me wrong, he still scored a few good goals for us, but he was surrounded by absolute incompetence everywhere. So, I mean, we could have had Cristiano Ronaldo up front for that team and we would have struggled to get a point away to Dumbarton that season. <laughs> that bad, like, yeah. And who from the list, Jonas, would you say was the, 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 the best player that played for both teams and just who played for yourselves, really, that moved on to Celtic? It would be a toss-up between Barry Robson and, um, Barry Robson and uh, Armstrong, because... I've got a Barry, like, it's funny, Michael was talking about Barry Robson there as well. When I was younger, I went to, like, a Dundee United Open day, and I must have been maybe, I don't know, 13 or something like that, 12 or 13. And I had, like, a, I had, like, the seat, the card with, like, all the players' names, and, like, Barry Robson was, like, the only person that I was interested in having it signed by, you know what I mean? And, like, he was my favourite mm-hmm. back then as well. I used to love, love him, just because he was passionate. He had what a left foot he had on him and stuff like that, and then... Armstrong as I've got a wee bit older, so it would be one of those two for me. Like uh, probably Robson just shades it just because like because I was a younger guy at that time as well when he was there. And I think you're always more attached to players when you're a, young, a kid. Who's your hero, Jonas? Best you've seen? Uh, do you know what I mean? When you were a wee kid and watching them when you were a kid, Barry. <laughs> um, Barry. <laughs> see. see it's, <laughs> it's probably it's probably like it's probably someone like it sounds daft for you lad because like the guy's still only 30 year old or something but probably would be someone like from like the 2010 like sort of that cup winning sort of era it would probably be someone like Johnny Russell or someone like that or mm-hmm. I hadn't like you know just someone that like because he just loved playing for the club and he gave 100% every week and stuff quality player like because I wasn't fortunate enough I never seen the great size of the 80s so I never seen Sturrock and Neri and Malpass and Bannon and all those lads. Mm-hmm. I can only go by the guys that the I, you, star, I, yeah, you know. I remember. So I've had a few. Like there's been a few cult heroes, but probably someone like Johnny Russell or even someone like maybe Wee Gomez or whatever. Or, uh, when he was there in the middle of the park and stuff, they were all brilliant players. That Melbourne was good as well. Eh? Yeah. Well, the best midfield duo that we've ever had was in my lifetime. I would say that I enjoyed watching the most was when we had Prince Bobbin and. Uh, Morgaro Gomez in the midfield. That was our sort of. They were the heart of our midfield for about four or five seasons and included the cup win. And they were up there with my favourites. So, be they, they guys, Russell. Where did he go, that Prince Walker? He's a good player. Uh, he walked for them and then he came back and won the league with like hearts and stuff and that as well. And the guy's only like recently retired and Gomez was still playing for Falkirk this season in like League One and that. So, like, again, it sounds daft for a 32 year old guy to still be speaking about lads that are still playing, but they're the guys that. Well, that's the best ever United team I've seen in my life, and we won the cup in 2010, and I was 21 by then. But, you know, I wasn't, like I say, my introduction into Dundee United was us fighting relegation and relegation battles and, and didn't see very many good sides until, you know what I mean? So, that's the well, sort of lad that I would go with. I was talking about Davey Neri, that you'll know. Remember the boy, Ralphie Milne? Yeah. Uh, Ralph Milne. Mm-hmm. What a player. Honestly, like, that Dundee United team back in the day, and like I say, they never had... Yeah, that team. Well, that's what was funny about that Dundee United team. Um, Jim McLean had them on 10-year deals. 
So they didn't need agents because they weren't getting sell anywhere anything. Lifetime contract quarantine, Jonas. Who would be your prize? That I know Seager, as you said, is is an asset. Like, but this Colombian uh, lad seems to be a, a, a big asset feeder, doesn't he? Uh, if you can't, you're probably on about Cameroon lad. You're on it if like we John Doe Fuchs. You're probably talking about yeah. He's he's probably like he's up there with my favourites. I like him. Um, Benji I'm a big you know who's a, a really good player that I really like the big scouse lad at the back the boy Ryan Edwards he's really grew on me he's been outstanding this season like eh mm-hmm. big liver puddling lad like eh but great bloke as well like eh loves the club and stuff like that and he's just he, he was a bit shaky when he came in because he'd never had a pre-season and stuff the guy's got quite an interesting backstory he recovered from cancer and things like that but the guy would honestly head you could throw bricks into the box and the boy would header them away for you like he's been absolutely outstanding for us this season as well so he gets an honorary mention like well, what about that young that young what about yeah. that young guy that Celtic were rumoured to be interested in I think it was two seasons ago that Louis Appel yeah what about him he struggled this season Michael if I'm being honest I don't he's, he's, he's sort of Last season was really like sort of breakthrough season in the championship. The season before he sort of came on at the tail end, but he's found it tough in this league. Like he just, he's got all the assets. He's got pace and strength in that, but Is that he's found the jump up difficult. Would you think? Yeah, like we saw with a lot of our players this season, especially the, the new players setting in. Like, would having no fans in the stadium helping the most? Maybe no, affecting the game, Jonas? You think? Yeah, I mean, like. Don't get me wrong, he scored a cracking goal against Hibs in the Cup last season and obviously he seemed to have a good vibe of the crowd in that as well. But even just, I think the step up probably did catch him a wee bit as well. He just, he, He's just a wee bit sort of a bull in a china shop. He just gets the head down and tries to charge through people and that. He just needs to be a bit more composure. He's still got ability. Uh, and, and I think he's 21, but he's starting to get to that cut-off point. I'm a believer and if you're 20, 19, 20, 21, you need to really start making your market those yes, days. Yeah, Exactly. People band about the term youngster, but then they talk about guys at 22 that have only just broken into the first team. You've got to really be knocking on the door from about 18, 19 onwards if you're going to have a serious impact. But that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. You lads might disagree, like, but... Yeah, but we thought, like, that a lot of our youngsters, like, did break into the first team or they're in the wrong the first team. Like, a great example, that was uh, Montgomery and uh, and Dembele in the, the, a game against St. John, and then they just disappear. You know, that seems to be one of our biggest problems, Jonas, is that we don't have yeah, players don't, able to break into the first team. You know, or they're not getting a clear pass. And that's something where I was very impressed with you tonight, that your board were able to say a clear pass that you, for your youth academy, you know? Well, like you say, they've spent that much money on the academy and like the infrastructure and, and getting all this coaching staff and getting them up to elite level one and stuff like that. We've sort of put our eggs in that basket, but you've got to, because we don't have the finances to go and buy yeah. players. So we need to have a conveyor belt of youth. And Dundee United, even back in the 80s, like, was like that. Because like, some of these lads, like, you know, like, like were from Dundee that came through, even in that team back then. Like, you know, like boys like, um, what's the boy's name again? So, uh, what's his name? So, uh, his name Riley. I can't remember the guys. The guys. I think it's John Riley or whatever. The guy. He was mm-hmm. like man of the match at the new camp. He's a Dundee lad and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we've that's going right back to the eighties. We've had a history of bringing through youth. So we're just going to move it on from from the players. One player we forgot, and I just saw in the live chat was Willow Flood. We forgot Willow Flood. You know that that uh, that played for. I think just we he another player that kind of 
never really made that Celtic Michael, wasn't he, Willow Flood? God, he was dire. <laughs> I am um, last year for well, I played at my local golf club where I play golf. And I actually think and it's hard to actually say because he's bad at golf, but he's probably better at golf than he is at football, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> next season, Jonas, you were saying um you should be pushing for for six, but do you think Celtic will be ready to to to, to win the the, the table uh, the league title back next season, or is it a, a big ask considering the big huge rebuild we have this well, next season? It's too early to say. Like you'd probably be better asking people that question come July because. When the real business starts exactly on the 29th of July. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's true. I mean, I think our manager's been set the target that we to look at top six, to, mm-hmm. to put, break into the top six, go on a good cup run and stuff like that, which is, I mean, a, 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 realistically, a club at our side should be challenging for the top three, not like the first two places, but we should be going for third with the likes of Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and because we've done that historically anyway. So that's where we should be aiming towards. Maybe not next season, but... We, but the following year, certainly. But, um, yeah, like you say, mate, it's, it's too early to see where anybody's really going to be depending on, because nobody's done anything. The season's only just finished, so, I mean, you've got to really, you can assess maybe mid-end of June, you can maybe say, right, we've brought That's in so-and-so. That's and who, who you have and stuff like that. Like, are you expecting many players to, to, to leave over the summer transfer window? Um, it just depends. I mean, probably four or five out and I would probably need six or seven bodies in depending on who leaves. Seagrist will definitely be away. Mark McNulty depends on if we can agree a deal with Redden to bring him back. Um, Shanklin depending on if there's any... He's unknown, is he McNulty? He's unknown. He's on loan from Redden so he's returned to his parent club. He said he's keen to come back but mm-hmm. it depends on it depends on if... Like, I mean, he's probably on about 10, 12 grand a week at Redden and we'd maybe be able to offer him three or four. So it's whether he wants to take the wage cut and if the club's going to agree a deal. So exactly, you have to offer in your budget too as well. Yeah, the there's, a long way, there's a long way for anything to materialise on that front. But like I say, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think we're five or six short of being able to compete with your Aberdeens and Hibs and that anyway. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you think that's a realistic target? Like that, that this top six and maybe fight for... Uh, Europa League spot with like Zabadine and 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 Harmonian. Um, said on the live chat, most clubs should be aiming for third place. For me, Dundee United should be fighting for third place in the league. Jonas will know a lot better how how near that is, but uh, that they should just be under that level, but pushing towards that. Do you know what I mean? Ah, definitely. I I don't, I mean, I've no, never, they should be never near fighting relegation or anything like that. They would mm-hmm. the world, but they should be, their aim should be third place or as close to that as they can get. Well, people go on about how big Aberdeen and Hearts and Hibs and that are. Like, obviously, I'm at this neck of the woods and obviously I've seen Dundee United quite a lot. Dundee United are as big as Aberdeen, Hearts and Hibs as a football club. Uh, mm-hmm. that, 100%. They're absolutely, their history is massive. And like you say, they'll want to be but challenging for a minimum of third place next season. Like you say, Mickey Mellon will get a, a chat. Like you say, people are talking about that. He's maybe going to back to Tranmere and that, but he's already came out and said he's moved his family up. He wants to stay. Yeah, yeah. It's a big... He maybe wouldn't have had that option earlier in the season if there was fans, if there was, was fan pressure on him. So he and might that's get a free one. Good, that's good for the players that are already there and just then knowing that their manager is making this 
uh, commitment to the club as well, Jonathan. This, uh, he's, he's, well, he wants to stay and stuff like that, like you know. Well, the thing is, we had that problem with Nielsen jacking it in last year. All of a sudden, just went to Hearts, and then we had that whole court battle where Hearts were trying to say, "Well, we shouldn't get promoted. We should be given the title and try to keep us down." So, uh, the court case dragged on till about a week before the season began. You know, so we didn't even know what division we were playing until about two weeks before the season was due to start. So wow. it's, it's, it's crucial that there's, we can't chop and change managers every every summer because you need yeah. continuity to have success. So if for, just for continuity's sake, I don't think I think Mellon will be on a short leash for how long he gets if things don't go well to begin yes. with. But I think he, I would probably, I would just keep him just because. I mean, the worst case scenario, you're chasing a manager until mid-July. Players don't know if they're coming or going in the backroom. Staff don't know what's happening. And then you're entering the season, throwing together a squad, and you're, you're up against it. So a settled approach and hopefully tar- targets in early doors will stand us in good stead. Well, that's the hope anyway. Like, Go on, Mark. Did Dundee United, did they get, like, give a, a directory football with- uh, yeah, well, we, yeah, we've got a sporting director, aye. So basically, we we've got the Americans are are sort of hands off owners because they don't know anything about football. They ran a they had a baseball team which the boys sold, and I think they've got an ice hockey team. But he says, look, I don't know anything to do with the day to day running a sports team. So we've got football people that on on deck that run that side of it, and he mm-hmm. oversees everything. So he makes the final call on everything. But he's got guys that know how to run a you know deal with football and. Sides of it, doing that side of it, you know. They're, de- they're, they're definitely better on the Celtic. Ah, uh, that's that, that, that's that's what I was kind of point want to discuss. That like like today was to get a different view of what what other structures SPL teams have, and for Dundee to have a, a, a such a good structure, Mark. And then you look at us, like we're in the shambles from the board down, like aren't we? You know. Every department, we've said it before, Paul, every department yeah. in an overhaul. And that's obviously what the Ameri- these Americans have done at Dundee United. And I think that was the best thing, Mark, that came out of them. Um, well, there was a massive overhaul. The, the club was completely, the books and everything, when they come in, they basically did a root and branch review and ripped everything apart and started it again. Yeah, so, the long that, is, 2018 they took over, so this will be their third full season coming up. They took over... Would they have a five-year plan then, you honestly? Yeah, like a five-year plan. Yeah. Could you see when they came in? Could you see? Think. Could you see you being where you are the new? But I mean, yeah. Well, well. What encouraged me as soon as they took, they came in. It wasn't just the owner and his son that were in the 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 chairman and the, the vice chairman. It was the sporting director and the managing director. The four of them were unveiled at the same press conference, so the structure was already there. You know what I mean? And then they went and recruited, like, you know, academy coaches, sports nutritionists. They just went through every single department and just took a wrecking ball to the old structure. They modernised the club. Yeah, exactly. We were basically, yeah, we were, were, I mean, we were still at the point where we were sending out newsletters and everything and we weren't even really engaging on social media. They just just brought the club forward, you know what I mean? I think, Mark, that's what, uh, one thing that that I I took out of this meeting with Dominic McCoy, I think that, he saw that the club is not in with the modern day football, and that's when to seem to be modernised, yeah. modernised. And that's where he he wanted to modernise every single department of the club. So he actually seen it as a Celtic support as well. How 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 bad? But listening to Jonas here, Paul, don't he hate them? Who's in front of Celtic? Yes, 
Puddersweeny how outdated a, a football club is it is in the back of stuff that we I, I thought I would be be here tonight like, but it, I thought it was an interesting topic just to see how different clubs were, were run Michael you know United like I said as Jonas has already pointed out before the owners took over Dundee United were in disarray from top to bottom mm-hmm. you just need to look at the progress in the last three years that, that's uh, what I'm saying they're that's, that's what I'm saying you guys in that are that's yeah. what I'm saying guys in that are like I said they know how to run a business and they mm-hmm. employ the other guys to do the yeah. job for every department the right people in the right department Mark and this you know definitely 100% keep the football decisions to football people and the business decisions to business people and mm-hmm. you, you'll no go far wrong correct and ourselves lads we, before we, we move on are we Going to push for all three, or mainly just concentrate on uh, the the league? Uh, are we going to give maybe Europe a backbone at this season? Do you think, or what? Uh, minimum we for me next season, and everybody's got a different opinion. There needs to be a league, a cup win, and the must reach a group stage of either the Champions League or the Europa. It needs to be one or the other. In my opinion, for it to be any. Chance of success. Especially for revenue with the pandemic yeah. and everything this season, Michael, isn't this? Yeah. And like I say, the league's a must win because, like I say, we've talked about next, no, this season, no next season, the season after, is automatic qualification to the group stages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the money that's involved and in if, winning... And this, if that's not going to more any Celtic player like uh, qualification to the group stage, what can, Michael? Do you know what I mean? Well, like you I say, know? The fact that you're playing for your place in the Champions League proper... Yeah, and this is what the players signed for Celtic, Mark, to, to, to play in these these Champions League games, isn't it, as a young player, you know? Well, we talk, we've talk seen players leaving, or we want to play Champions League football, was that season? Yeah, and go to play Celtic, yeah. Moving to like the Norwich and stuff. You've got, you know? Exactly, you've got a better, a better chance of playing Champions League football for Celtic than you have for like Burnley or, do you know what I'm, Bournemouth, things like that. All the talk means is they want Champions League wages. They want the big. Yeah, well, that was like, like what Paul was saying, like when Gary Hooper went to Norwich. Cause yeah. Like, like that's, not Norwich than, that's not a bigger club than Celtic, like, you know, and that's no, well, the. That, well, Christy wants to go to a bigger league, and that's the likes of the teams that's interesting him is Norwich and Burnley. Well, what's funny about the Norwich thing is, like, you say that he's going to Norwich because it'll give him a better chance of getting an England team. What he needs to remember as well that when he was in the same team as Fraser Foster, Fraser Foster got into the England team while uh-huh. playing for Celtic. And he was another player whose career mark just slipped away after he moved from Celtic. Really, it was Gary Hooper, wasn't he? You know? He's dark. I think you look back on it. Probably, he's probably a lot, a lot richer than he would have been if he stayed at Celtic, but football-wise, I think you'll look back and regret leaving. I say there's a lot of players out there, Mark, isn't there? When was the last time I played for Norwich got an England cap? Probably exactly. Probably, yeah. Check Norwich when he got his cap. Think so. Well, he, and then he went to Blackburn, did he? They were, no, but I, well, I was thinking something, but I wasn't sure. But so that talk again. I went to move to England to try and get an England squad. You're not going to get an England, England squad playing for Norwich and Burnley. No. Like again, it was just down to money. Look, 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 at Edward. Like I can see him. Like maybe it's too soon this, but next season, like even if he was with Celtic now, he'd be caught up to the French national team. 
he's 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 that good. Like it's not who what you play who you play play for, Mark. It's how you are as a player. And if you're good enough to play for international team, they'll call you up. You know. I think I think it still comes down to the league you're playing in. I do. I think as the way international mm-hmm. odds are announced, I think it does come down to if you're playing in one of the bigger leagues, you're more. I think that that has that that has been, I think uh, England's problem for years, picking out of the only picking out of the top teams. Well, England, I read something our week on Twitter, and it was, I think it was Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville were picking an England squad, and none of them, none of them giving the top. Is it Sancho, Sanchez, or the uh, Jaden Sancho for Dortmund? Ah, uh, none of them had him in, his, in their squads. <laughs> You know, I, I just, it's just the, again the English league, the best league in the world. It's, everybody needs to be playing in it, and just for mm-hmm. football that you're watching. That's getting at England all over, though, is it? No. Mm-hmm. But just, just before we finish, uh, you honest, there's a, a Lee Griffiths being left out of the the, the Scotland uh, international team for the Euros. Was was Stephen Clark right to let him out? in his form this season or would you have taken him because he's a proven goal scorer Jonas you there lads I'm still I'm still here sorry um, yeah. I my phone had just locked itself and I couldn't get back on it sorry about that I um, no what um, there, there's two ways you can look at the Griffiths thing you're not surprised that he's not in the squad because I look at his contribution. He's never really looked fit the whole season. He, mm-hmm. I mean, you boys will be able to tell me. Yeah, you know, we agree talking to yeah. He certainly hasn't set the header. Like, I've not seen the guy play really at all this season, but he doesn't seem like he's did much for you, lads. And also, there's that side that, okay, you could maybe bring him on as a maverick and you could maybe something stick one in the top corner from 30 yards for you. But there's guys that have been professional and trained all season and been dedicated and and contributed to their clubs a lot more than he has. So from a football mm-hmm. side, you, you 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 can't be surprised. I don't think you know. <laughs> Matt, you're not surprised by this decision by by Clark not to in, in, include Griffiths. No, I'm not. I don't really bother much about international football, but I will hope Scotland do well in the Euros. But I wasn't surprised at all. Maybe he can spend this the summer actually trying to get himself fit if he's going to be at Celtic next season. You know. Well, that's. But he's got to concentrate on. He's got to concentrate and get himself fit physically, mm-hmm. mentally for whether it's going to be Celtic, Aberdeen, or wherever he's going to be. That's going yeah. to be his main concern. I don't think he, Griffiths expected to be called up. To be honest, Paul. Mm-hmm. Mike. Yeah, I am. Um, I would have loved him to be in the Scotland squad because he's Scotland's most natural finisher. But he's not helped himself this season. I'm the opposite. Me and you want to actually like international. We're actually going well. We're hoping to get into England for the match to even mm-hmm. the vicinity to actually support them. But um, there's still a part of me that I would uh, I would expect them to be in the squad because, like mm-hmm. you say, he just guarantees your goals. And even if he was just on in the last five ten minutes because you need something, I mean, he's the man you would want to bring on. Mm-hmm. So as I think uh, we'll 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 call it there. We went on a little bit longer than than we expected, but as always. Uh, Jonas brought in some good uh, chats with us tonight. Uh, my thanks again to Michael and, and, and Jonas for coming on the show. Uh, for myself, thanks for tuning in. Mark, over to yourself and the lads. Just 
thanks again, Paul, for everything you do. Mikey, bonus for coming on. Jonas, you're brilliant again. You're more than welcome any time, mate. And for everybody tuning in, if you're not subscribed, hit the subscribe button and remember, hit the like button as well. Good night, lads. God bless. Cheers for having us again, lads. Appreciate it. No bother. She's after fun. This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel.